0: This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature arthouse movie-going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant late-night film series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's outdoor movie series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one. So grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington and opens seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema reopened their doors on April 30th and is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie-going experience in a safe and healthy environment. Masks are required to be worn at all times while visiting the cinema. Auditoriums are currently seating at 25% to allow for social distancing during screenings, so popular showtimes may fill up quicker than usual. Purchasing your tickets online is highly recommended. The staff and volunteers are thrilled to welcome you back to the movies, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop by the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook, at The Grand Cinema. For a full list of their showtimes, check them out, and don't forget to look at the COVID-19 guidelines.
1: Once upon a time, in a faraway land called Washington Heights,
2: so it doesn't disappear
1: Washington Heights Lights up on Washington Heights Up at the break Yo, of day I wake throwing, up and I got bro. this little punk I gotta chase away Pop the grate at the crack of dawn Sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey y'all, uh, good morning Ice cold filagua, cherry, strawberry And just for today I got my mate Story of a block that was disappearing. The genius is back. Yo, here's your chance. Ask out right now. Hey, There's something on your shirt? <laughs> Smooth operator, oh, all damn. We all had a sueñito, and when it came to dreams, we had to keep scraping by. Maybe this neighborhood is changing forever. Maybe tonight is our last night together. <laughs>
0: How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosford. And I am Grant Colby. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding spontaneous dance and song numbers. That's right. On this episode, we're diving into the world of movie musicals. We'll be reviewing the latest stage-to-screen adaptation, In the Heights, and then shifting our conversation and talking about our favorite movie musicals ever. All that is up next with help from our special guest host, who we'll introduce in just a minute. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from another show here on the Chatter Network.
2: Scream Team, how you guys doing? I'm Derek Schneider. I'm Max Fosberg.
1: And I'm Kristen Marlowe.
2: And we are the Terrifying Trio here to tell you about our show right here on the Chatter Network called the Silver Screams Podcast.
1: It's a show where we watch scary movies and then talk to each other about what we just saw.
2: All the way from the hardworking people behind the scenes. To the themes and sometimes deeper meanings of those scenes.
1: And of course, the best part, our favorite kills.
2: So tune in every Friday wherever you get your podcast fix. And as always, stay stay spooky, spooky, Scream Scream team. Team.
0: Okay, Max and Grant, we're back and delighted to be joined in studio by our guest for this musical extravaganza. She is a published journalist who's always advocated for the performing arts and someone who can walk it as well as she talks it, having acted in many stage productions such as classics like Oklahoma and The Wizard of Oz, to name a few, a self-proclaimed Mouseketeer and poster child for being raised on Disney, Maddie Shutzau, Thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here.
0: Uh, of course. Uh, so I'll just be completely upfront with you, and pre-show, you st- You like hit this just nail on the head. No pressure or anything, but your performance on this episode, I think, could go a long way in putting you up for uh, ETI's most interactive listener. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you've been one of our favorite people to interact with since starting this podcast almost a year ago. You always show up when it's trivia time. Your questions on our Mailbag episode were some of our favorites, and we can always count on you for calling us out on any hot takes that we may have. <laughs> um, your main competition, I'd say, really is Heath Triller, and mm-hmm. he had a blast when we brought him on for an episode, so yes. we wish the same experience on to you. Um, I thought we could start this episode off by giving you a chance to speak about your love for not only movie musicals, but the theater in general. As I mentioned in the intro, you're no stranger to being on the stage, but maybe you could also share one or two of your favorite theater-going experiences.
3: Definitely. Um, yeah, I grew up always watching musicals. Um, my mom had a family friend who watched me when I was little, and her kids were older, so they didn't have any kid movies in the house. So she put on Showboat for me, and I loved it, and I was kind of hooked from then on. Um, and I, I started seeing shows at the Fifth Avenue with my family when I was about four. One of the first shows I saw was Peter Pan, and I was just hooked. Like totally <laughs> hooked. <laughs> Hi. Um, fun fact, Hook was supposed to be a musical when they were first. Like the
0: Steven Spielberg one? Yeah, Ah. but that's
3: another story. Um, I started performing when I was like eight or nine um, in local theater and community theater, and I really, really liked it. I took it really seriously all through middle school and high school, and I actually started out in college um, hoping to get my BFA in musical theater, but I knew it wasn't the right path for me. I knew that even though performing professionally is a really hard career and a really rewarding career, I just knew that I didn't have the passion and the drive to really take it all the way. You really have to suffer for this art form and i just didn't want to do that so i came back here i interned with the fifth avenue theater in seattle which was awesome i learned all about the administrative side of theater and i decided to go back to college to get my degree in entertainment management which kind of combined my two loves of musical theater and theater management and theme parks because i'm a big disney person as we already spoke about um i got to work there for a little bit working um helping produce their shows too which was super cool
0: Yeah, um, I was and that was going to be my next question was about the time you spent in Florida working for Disney um, and kind of your history of going to the various theme parks. I'm sure that, you know, that also played a huge role in making movie musicals one of your favorite genres, if not your favorite. Yeah,
3: definitely. I mean, so many of those classic Disney movies that we were raised on, Grant, are all musicals. And when I was looking at my list for this, I was like, I mean, I could list all Disney movies and they are all musicals and they did some of them did go to Broadway and like Beauty and the Beast was a game changer The Lion King is big time huge that was the yeah. first
4: thing I ever saw in the theater was Lion King
3: yeah it's incredible or,
4: like on stage theater I mean yeah. up in Seattle
3: yeah it's it's an incredible show and Disney really when Disney decided to go to Broadway they opened up a whole can of worms and just their quality of shows is is excellent so yeah what was your what was your question just, about the parks uh,
0: and yeah, I guess just kind of how the parks continued to influence your your love for musicals. Yeah, um, because you know you can take a movie, turn it into a theme park ride, and yeah, some people might forget that oh, this one started as a stage production, mm-hmm. but like it still has the heart. Yeah, you know the songs constantly playing around the theme parks and everything. Exactly,
3: and Disney the parks they do have some incredible entertainment in there, and whether it's Fantasmic. Or whether it's uh, the Aladdin show at the Hyperion, you know, the quality of entertainment in those parks and the performers is just as good as Broadway. A lot of people that perform in the Disney parks have also worked on Broadway and or sometimes they start there and then go to the parks. So
4: the parades are just bonkers. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah.
3: The show quality is top notch. It
0: is. Uh, would you say that musicals are your favorite genre of film?
3: I guess. You know, it was funny when I was making my list. I was like, I don't watch a lot of movie musicals and a lot that have come out lately. I know we'll talk about this later, but I haven't loved. So it's definitely a a comfort genre for me and it's something that I can put on and I know I will love, but I don't know if it's my favorite. I feel like they belong on stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of the one uh, nitpick I think that that this genre presents is that You know, you always have people talking about like book to film, Mm -hmm. um, page to screen adaptations. It's so much different when you're going from stage to screen and people have already seen it acted out in front of them, performed. They have a visual connection to the medium. So they're like, "Okay, this is either really going to hit or it's just going to fall real flat. Yeah, Um, I get that. Okay, so how did the movie musical come to be? Well, many saw the genre as a natural progression of the stage musical after the emergence of sound in the late 1920s. Not only was sound a key factor in bringing those stories to the big screen, but the ability to now film lavish set pieces that otherwise were impractical in a theater setting. That led to enormous popularity among audiences. By the end of the 1930s, movie musicals were a fixture in popular culture to American moviegoers and the addition of a nearly perfected new technology such as Technicolor made for some of the most signature landmark movies still to date. By the 1940s and 50s, MGM, one of Hollywood's Big Five production companies, caught wind of the country's newfound obsession and began regularly releasing Oscar-caliber musical pictures. In the 1960s, musicals experienced their last decade of box office and critical dominance, as by the time we reached the 1970s, film culture began to focus on a more gritty realism and stories being told on screen. The genre would not let this be its anticlimactic third act, however, as the growing technology behind animation led to a musical resurgence in the 1980s and the 90s that has carried us through to today, where we have not only animated musicals atop the box office each year, but a renaissance of quote-unquote old Hollywood stories being told through musical narratives. So I ask you all, what has made this genre so adaptable over the past century, and what do you think keeps audiences coming back for the next movie musical? We'll start with our guest.
3: Ooh, start with me. Um, one of the things that, that people forget is that Broadway is a commercial industry. It's in, around here. We've got a lot of nonprofit theater and regionally there's a lot of nonprofit theater, but Broadway is commercial theater. So the audience is there. Um, I pulled this statistic that in 2018 and 2019, which was the last Broadway season that happened fully. Um, there were more people that attended Broadway shows than all 10 New, New York and New Jersey sports teams combined. Wow. Yeah, Broadway is huge. So, you know, th- yeah, the musical is not the most like common genre, but the audience is there for it. And especially with all these national tours coming through and really, I'm sure we'll talk about this show later, but in 2016, when Hamilton came out and it really like punched up the musical again it was like oh musical theater can be cool
0: yeah i would say that hamilton was like the aed that that the genre needed yeah just like
3: brought it back to life and brought it back to mainstream and now we've got this year is a huge year for movie musicals and i'm sure we'll touch on that later too but there's i think like four coming out this year if we count in the heights and that and that's really big for when we used to get like one every couple of years,
0: right? What do you think about that sports stat, Max? That's crazy because I'm just thinking about how many people can fit in the garden, how many people can fit at Yankee Stadium right. compared to a theater that what a sold out show is probably twelve thousand.
3: Uh, I mean, Broadway houses can range anywhere from like five six hundred to I think the largest house on Broadway is just under two uh, two thousand. Oh,
4: only two? Wow. yeah, and even yeah. more impressive. And like, how many shows a day are they doing? Seven days a week? Yeah, they you do. Eight,
3: they do eight shows a week. Yeah, so that's crazy.
2: That just goes to show you how bad New York sports teams were <laughs> in this past decade.
0: Yeah, that's fair too. Um, okay, so so what do you think though, Max? Why why is this genre stayed so prevalent in in moviegoers' you know minds?
2: Because uh, it's it's song and dance. I mean, it's it's like the um, the ultimate kind of happy feeling when you're watching a film. Uh, and granted, there are musicals that have darker themes, but. Um, I, I just think that song and dance is it, it's such a uh it goes deep into our DNA as humans and like and puts us into a a real happy go lucky like promising mental state when you're watching a musical.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of, like, just does their chores around the house to their own
4: tune, sort of. You know, like, everyone kind of lives in their own musical, if you think about it. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Uh, Grant, what about you? No, that was going to be my point, too. Like, it's kind of, like, embedded in us, especially in our age and, you know, this age of media of Disney movies. Growing up on Disney, it's imprinted on you very early on, To even if you drift away from it. When you watch one, you're kind of like, why do I like this so much? And it's because you like it. And you just don't want there's not a lot out there. or You don't seek it out. But when you watch it, like Max said, it just kind of clicks in your brain, makes you feel good.
0: Yeah, I, that's kind of what I had as well, where like the second wave of kind of that, that Disney renaissance came at the perfect time where you had our parents and even, you know, our grandparents who grew up on these films from the thirties, forties, fifties and sixties. I feel like, you know, they want to pass on what they like to their children. And when all of a sudden the Disney movies came back, it was the perfect, not like excuse, but the perfect, um, kind of pedestal to, to place the movie genre, the music the movie musical genre up on because the quality was still so great. And so we now have that sense of nostalgia, um, you know, for when we're going to start having families and the next generation of musicals, like showing, you know, kids stuff from the late seventies, eighties, nineties,
2: my uh, two year old nephew, I got to hang out with him on Sunday morning and anytime I'm, I'm hanging out with him either, either at grandma's house or at, you know, his house, they've have the like a Disney musical Pandora station on and he can, he can tell at two years old, he can tell when like a song is from frozen or Moana and right there. I mean, music just embeds itself into your memory and helps your memory. And that's why musicals will last forever.
0: Yeah. I I also think too, and that goes to what you're saying, you know, these Disney cartoons now have become such iconic figures. Whereas it used to be and still is in, in many regards, but it used to be these celebrities that were were some of the biggest stars in the world in the 50s and 60s doing movie musicals. And so you had these actors and actresses that you had a relationship with, but you got to see them in a completely different light doing something that that we as a culture are still obsessed with. When you think about like dancing with the stars and the masked singer, like you always we want to see our favorite stars doing something that we're not used to.
4: Um uh, you know, create that different relationship with them. And so I think that that's just carried. Well it's weird to think back in the day, like the the coolest movie star of all time was the current hot musical performer, Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, like those guys like that could tap dance were like considered the cool guys. And then that shifted dramatically when like the, you know, movies changed. And so you're right, I think Disney is the thing that kind of just kept the ball rolling until now, like Hamilton Here we are. Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay, so the film that's given us a chance and an excuse, really, to talk about all of this is, of course, the latest film from Warner Brothers to be released in theaters and on the HBO Max streaming platform. I'm, of course, referring to In the Heights. The film is an adaptation of the musical that Lin-Manuel Miranda and Chiari Algeria uh, Hudes Do you you know? I don't know. No. Hughes, I believe, is how you pronounce her last name. Um, But that they first brought to the stage back in 2005, the production ultimately received a Broadway run back in 2008 and a U.S. tour the following year. The musical was nominated for 13 Tony Awards and ended up earning four, including Best Musical. The story was originally set for a big screen adaptation in 2008, but the project eventually fell through with Universal Studios and didn't get a second look until 2016. With principal cast and crew assembled by the fall of 2018, the movie began filming in the spring of 2019 only to have its intended 2020 release date interrupted by, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. It wasn't until this past weekend of June 11th that the film received a wide release after a wide release after debuting at the Los Angeles Latino International Film Festival on June 4th. The film is directed by John M. Chu, who previously – his previous directorial credit on Crazy Rich Asians earned him global recognition. The script for In the Heights was penned by the aforementioned Huerds, who authored the book. The film was shot by cinematographer Alice Brooks, who holds – or yeah, Alice Brooks, who holds over 60 DP credits to her name, but with this by far being her crowning achievement to date. The music department is flooded with talent for this film as to be expected. But our marquee names here are Alex Lacamoire, Bill Sherman, and of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda. In the Heights stars a beautiful ensemble cast featuring Anthony Ramos, Melissa Birara, uh, Leslie Grace, Corey Hawkins, Gregory Diaz, Jimmy Smits, and, Ogle Mer- and Olga Meredith. In the Heights uh, pulled in... million over its opening box office weekend, which was actually only good for second place. A Quiet Place Part 2 actually reclaimed the number one spot with 11.6 mil, pushing that film's total to over $100 million domestically, the first post pandemic film to achieve that mark. Uh, But however, In the Heights currently sits at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so audiences have been extremely pleased with the product that they've received. Now, if any of you have any theories as to why this film is underperforming at the box office, I'd love to hear them because I expected a big, big number uh, for this film. But so we'll go around the table now and give our general thoughts and reactions to the film. Maddie, once again, we'll start with you. What did you think?
3: Um, I actually I didn't know about the 08 adaptation that was in the works. And I just want to say I'm so glad that got canceled because Lin-Manuel didn't have the star power that he has now. And I think about who would have been cast in that and the way that oftentimes movie musicals get filled with celebrities to sell it. And I'm just –
0: A.K.A. kind of whitewashed. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
3: whitewashed or like – I mean, she's very talented, but I didn't want to see Vanessa Hudgens in this movie. And she totally could have been Vanessa. And in 2008, she probably would have been. And it just would have changed the movie and made – it. I liked it because it's different than the stage show. I saw the tour in 2009, I think. And I loved it. Um, I don't remember a lot of it, but I, I really, really liked it. I loved the music. And I recommended it to everybody I knew. And so I was really excited to see this movie and see how they did it. And they changed a lot. Um, I read that, like, I think only less than 10 lines from the stage show actually made it into the movie script. Wow. Yeah. Um but And
0: it's the same woman who yeah, wrote the
4: book,
3: yeah, who wrote the um, screenplay. And, and so. they cut,
4: like, five or six songs.
3: Yeah, they cut a handful of songs. One song, I really wish they'd kept it in, but that's okay. I think that it, it's so important for the pacing for a film to move along. And, you know, mu- most musicals on stage are pretty long. Um, and it, this movie almost felt a little long to me. Um, there was a couple things I would have changed. But overall, I thought it was great. I thought that the production quality was excellent. I thought it was really well directed. Um, I loved Crazy Rich Asians. And uh, I thought that he did a, his style of uh, directing is really interesting. And there were some fun shots. And I liked it. I can't wait to see it again. I want to go see it in theaters. I did not watch it in theaters. And I'm ready to go see it in theaters.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I felt as well, where I was like, you know, some of those scenes are very surreal and, mm-hmm. and fantastic. And I was like, this on a big screen, even though it still hit pretty hard at home can just imagine what yeah. it would have been like in a the theater grant you
4: looked like you were gonna say something i was just gonna say her talking about the length of it um there's a bunch of like little nice like easter eggs as saying like pointing out to like it being a theater production where there's a point where he's telling the story to the kids and he goes should we take a break and it's almost exactly at the halfway point where you're like oh this is where the intermission, intermission? would have been totally. and so i i, I kind of like that, that that maybe they even knew it's like about the pacing of a film yeah. and why things were cut. And yeah, why don't you go
0: and give us your general thoughts?
4: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I mean, I'm a huge fan of Lynn Manuel Miranda. I, I loved Hamilton. Um, and I, I wasn't too excited about this. I kind of went in with low expectations and I loved it. I thought it was a great, fun musical. I didn't know that it was a stage production before. I thought this was like a brand new thing that he did. So that was kind of cool to go back. Um, you can really see. If you have seen Hamilton, that this was Lin Manuel Miranda, the the way the songs go, the how you the cadence of the lines and the rhymes, and w- when it comes in is is very much a spiritual sequel to the songs of Hamilton, and so take that as it as you may I personally liked it just because it felt kind of like in that same idea John M Chu also directed GI Joe retaliation so it's kind of cool to see like
2: fantastic yeah
4: it's kind of cool to see directors like do different things and see like core Max Fosberg text yeah <laughs> um, it was cool to see you know like a director like that do something like this um, and then also crazy Rich agents like three completely different films um, but yeah I like the fact that um that it was all like broadway people there's a lot of people you see that lin manuel brought from hamilton including anthony ramos the the main character uh usnavi um so that was kind of cool it was it was fun to see and uh i i I had a blast I, i i enjoyed it
3: we'll be back after a quick break
4: did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear
2: Yeah, I really, I really thought it was a uh, a very well done modern musical, um, a little a little long in the tooth. I felt at some points, um, but who knew that Corey Hawkins could sing and dance? Hey, right? Now. He, he he kind of blew me away. We knew he could rap his yeah. performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anthony. Uh, Ramos is fantastic as he is in Hamilton. Uh, And I think actually he, he might actually have a very big career ahead of him after this. I think everyone in this movie is going to get, it's going to be nothing but good for them. Um, And I I kind of expect this to, to be in, in a bit of an Oscar race Uh, come, come next whenever the Oscars are. March.
4: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Not to get too ahead um, on our legs, Category, but that's kind of what I'm thinking as well. Yeah. Um, especially for some of the performers. Uh, yeah, I I agree with all you guys. I think that the runtime for me actually kind of flew by. I, I would say that the first 30 minutes were kind of done and over before I could really like get my bearings in the film. And so, really, to me, then the the movie kind of only felt like it was about an hour and 50 minutes long. Um, because you do, there is that that sense of you have to you have to kind of ground yourself within the movie musical world that you're that you're watching, and so uh, you kind of have to pick up the cadence of the songs and the storytelling, and you know is is what I'm hearing in the songs more important than the, just the speaking parts? Um, and so you know, kind of once I got all my characters straightened out and, and had my little you know like family trees all all uh, diagrammed, I was like, okay, I, now I can really dive into this, and I did enjoy it. Um, I thought. Um, Lin-Manuel did a better job than I expected of just kind of staying in the background. Yes, Grant, I, I agree. His presence um, throughout the, the songs and, and the mm-hmm. script and everything is very heavy. But it just I, I was like, we don't need somebody getting shaved ice every like 10 minutes. And I was almost afraid that like we were going to get that, but we didn't. So that was really good.
3: Did you stay for after the credits to see the uh, reprise of his song. Oh, no, oh, I didn't either. Oh, guys, no. Has he never seen a Marvel movie? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, you talking. Never seen yeah, that's I know, right. Yeah, that's I, right I, I, know I that. Yeah, I'm not one for stingers, but I, yeah, so okay, I'll have to go back. In the stage
3: show, his character has a reprise of the song, but they cut it for the movie, which was great. And then they put it in in the end after the credits. Also, fun fact um Christopher Jackson, who was the original George Washington yeah. and someone else in Hamilton, I think. I don't know. Um, is the Mr. Softy, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And then... Uh, the
4: Lin- look he gives him when he's walking yeah. by oh, is so <laughs> one of my favorite parts in the movie.
3: Um, and then in Breathe, uh, Lynn's parents make a cameo when Nina's walking down the street. Um, they say, welcome home, oh, which is awesome. Cool. So it's like, cool. you know what? like you The can little touches yeah. are sprinkled in. We'll um,
0: let you do it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just thought overall it was very exciting to see this story get told. And I think that that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, Maddie, where... This came out at the perfect time where I think um, the country kind of needs a a film like this. The cast, you know, to put a bunch of people on. It's really good where you didn't need it to just be completely star studded. I mean, some of these people are household faces at this point. I think pretty soon they will be household names like what you're saying, Max. Um, So, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Started it, fired it up at like. 830 at night and wasn't really sure if this would turn into like, a, okay, then I started again the next morning when I, when I fell asleep or whatever. But no, I front to back the whole thing. And I think that, you know, obviously, if you're going to see it in a theater, that's what you have to do. But yeah, I was I was very pleased. I was I liked it a lot. Um, okay, so let's get into our seven category review system here. First category, of course, being top of the lineup. Maddie, you being a baseball girl, you know exactly right. what we're doing here. The Rainiers. Um, so uh, who is leading off for you in this film? Who sets the stage?
3: Anthony Ramos, for sure. I mean, the so in the stage show, they don't have that framing mechanism where he's telling the story to the kids. That doesn't happen on stage. And I thought that that was a really great way to even to tell the story, to have it be this like uh, sort of like, romanticized story that he's remembering about his block, um, which kind of makes us suspend our disbelief a little bit better into the musical world. But, God, I picked him for all three of these parts of Top of the Lineup. Just what a star. He's so fun to watch. He's adorable, and he's so talented.
0: Really, really talented. Uh, A star-making performance, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grant, who'd you have at Top of the Lineup?
4: Um, I have Leslie Grace. Leading off. Yeah, leading off, as Nina Rosario. For one reason and one reason alone. If you're listening, Leslie marry me <laughs> she just stole the show like as soon, as soon as she came on screen i was just like it's like
2: one uh, of her first feature films yeah
4: yeah wow. and i just i let out an animaniacs hello nurse <laughs> like my goodness so yeah um but also she's an amazing singer she gave a great performance i really liked the her and benny dynamic throughout it i thought I was gonna get burnt out on these side plots and just want to focus on uh, Usnavi, and I didn't. And I feel like all of these actors were the reasons why I was I was very captivated. So Leslie Grace.
2: Well, for me, it's uh, it's LMM. It's it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, that guy, this guy, at this point, can slap his name on anything and it's gonna be a hit. And you're right that the 2008. Good thing that didn't happen. Because no one, unfortunately, knew who he was then. Um, but yeah, I think he he is going to... His name... And he's got another mu- another musical coming out this year uh, that he's directing. His mm-hmm. direc- directorial debut with a Tick, Tick, Boom yeah. with... Uh, yeah, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Um, his name alone is going to get seats in the butts. and it, he's... Seats in the butts. <laughs> right. It's going to get butts in the seats.
4: And he's got an animated movie, uh, Vivo, coming out where... Uh... It's all about like he's an or like an organ grinder that has like this little creature that's like the 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 showman called Vivo and he's the voice of Vivo.
2: The only reason I even tried to watch His Dark Materials is because Lin Manuel was in it.
4: There you go. <laughs> um, for me,
0: leading off, I have Vanessa played by uh, Melissa Barrera. I think that she. Yes, I, I agree with you on the um Usnavi character and Anthony Ramos, but I think that Vanessa does for me at least the best job of kind of setting like the stage for for the plights and the struggle of living within this um neighborhood because from the jump you can tell she's the one that really wants to like get out and and make something more for herself so she thinks um but then you know as all the characters kind of do they understand that like no i'm tied to this block and that you know like like they say in the film washington heights say so it doesn't uh, go away and so i think that yeah for her or for me it's it's her who sets the stage to the best and and really got me I'm um, kind of, kind of zeroed in on on what the different dynamics would be here between the characters, uh, and so then you also have Usnavi on deck for you. Yeah, yeah, just moving yeah. the story along.
3: Yeah, I think I mean he's the narrator in a way. Yeah, so yeah. you know he gets to break the fourth wall and talk to the audience at times. And
0: this is who I had as well yeah. in this category.
2: S- same here. Okay.
4: Um I had uh uh Jimmy Smits, and ah, Kevin okay. Rosario, okay. just for one reason alone. You put that guy in anything and I'm gonna go, hey, Jimmy Smits is in this. <laughs> yeah. And so I got excited. So but uh I like he's kind of that um you know, he's a he's a force of the story to, you know, show the you know sort of independence of Nina, but you know, the people coming into their own and he's representing the old ways, um which everyone kinda of wants to hold on because change is ever, you know, coming and blah, 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 blah. But uh he does a really good job of just being kind of like the a uh, concerned but unattentive dad, and he like he means well, but he doesn't really know what's going on. And like I said, it's Jimmy Smiths. He's fucking awesome. Do you have
0: Anthony Ramos somewhere <laughs> else in your lineup?
4: I do. He's he's oh, my, he's my okay. cleanup.
0: Then then yeah. we can wait and have kind of the discussion yeah. about him then, because I feel like we just kind of glossed over him. Um. Okay. So then, in the hole for me, I have. Abuela Claudia, yes. Claudia um, played by Olga Mer- uh, Meredith. I do too. Yeah, I for hitting me, homers every single time she's on stage. Every single yep. time, whoever's on stage with her, she's bringing them home. Uh, yeah, just an extremely powerful performance from her. A lot like what you were saying about Jimmy Sp- uh, Jimmy Smith's representing, kind of like the old the old neighborhood, but in a, in a much more familiar familiar or, or like. You know what I'm family, to family way, familial. yeah, yeah, familial. Thank you, way, hard word, um, and and yet, yeah, whereas he's much more business uh, centric and yeah. everything like that. So yeah, she just she crushed it for me. I, for me, the most exciting like ten minutes of the movie was not a musical scene, and it was uh, that dinner where where everybody came over, and the fact that she's like nobody's grandma, but she's everybody's grandma. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. love that, Max. Wh- why did you like she, her so much?
2: Uh, well, she is also the only original Broadway cast member to be cast in the movie. Uh so she is reprising her role that she did in 2009 or 2008 yeah. or whatever. Um and and she's she's great. Usually, you know, I I feel like sometimes Broadway stars who come over to film have a little trouble, you know, with that transition, but she was fantastic. And the the I mean the whole train sequence um, you know, spoilers alert, where she's passing away like just really, really heart
4: wrenching yeah. stuff. Yeah. When that number started, and like immediately, I put together like, oh, this is her like going to heaven, like she's dying. I just, I let out an audible, just no. I was <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't want. Come on, but Pons- that was no, that was a great, great sequence.
0: Poncienza Ife, yeah, is, is that number? Yes. Yeah, that was just so good. Uh This, this is, I think, probably my number one. If I was a, if I was gonna put money down. I would say that she's an odds-on favorite for a supporting actress nomination. Absolutely. Yeah, for this, for her role. Uh, Yeah, so she was great for me, great for Max. Um, Grant, who's your number three?
4: Uh, Anthony Ramos. Okay. yeah,
2: Okay.
0: Um, So let's have the conversation about him now then. Just a star in the
4: making. Um,
2: Such a charming dude. Mm -hmm. Like, great screen
4: presence. Great smile. Yeah. If you've seen Hamilton, he doesn't have a lot. He, he, you know, he's one of those guys that plays two different characters and he gets some, but like they don't utilize him a lot. So I was really excited to see him in this lead role. And he just knocks it out of the park every time he's on screen. Like every time he comes in and starts like either like his sing cadence or his rap cadence, I I got fucking pumped. I was like, yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. And and, I mean, I like to the vulnerability that his character
0: has as well, where he's not like just like the hot shot on the block. Like Corey Hawkins kind of takes that role, I guess, but he's vulnerable as well. But um, Ramos really shows some vulnerability in this in this role. Um, There are some things that he did that I don't really like, but we'll save that for the too long, didn't need category. But overall, killed it. Yeah.
3: He also stepping into huge shoes, doing the role that Lynn created in Lynn's musical. I mean, that's so intimidating. Yeah. And it could be really and easy Lynn to played that role, right? Yeah. He yeah, originated yeah. it. He, he writes for himself yeah. basically. Um, but Hey, good for him. He writes well.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the delivery, everything like you just really, and I mean, some of his, during some of his musical performances, the veins on his neck are just like bulging out and you can tell oh, he's yeah. just like pouring his heart,
4: uh, out on, on screen here. So you'd love to see that. That tear he sheds when he's telling the story of, I, that, I was like, that's what sold it for me. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then
0: our pinch hitter, who's coming in and just making contact for you, kind of, kind of providing some some levity or or some what, wherever However, you're gonna look at this, Maddie, who'd you have?
3: I didn't get this category sent to me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> off the top of your head, who who's
0: who's a good pinch hitter
2: in this film? Who's a
3: surprise? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Come back to me. Come okay, to me. okay,
2: Max. For me, it was Jimmy Smiths. Okay, there you go. Uh, you know, uh, again, just uh, kind of, uh, kind of a that guy. Mm. Even though everyone knows mean. his name, but like he's he's never been like a huge star, I would say. But he's he's he shows up in movies and he always gives a great performance. He has I'm and, watching, and he has a lot the, of it's fun. The, in it's this the movie.
4: Bill Paxton syndrome where you see him yeah. and you're like, oh, you're in this. Great. It's yes. yeah. literally the like
0: almost quote for quote
4: what came out of <laughs> Haley's
0: mouth when we were watching. She goes, oh, he's a good actor, and I was like, Jimmy Smiths. And she was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. but like yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay. I forget
3: her name, but she's on Orange Is the New Black. No, one of the ladies in the salon. That role's not in the stage show, Mm, but they added her in. Um, What is her name?
0: Well, I've never seen Orange is the New Black, but that was something else that Haley pointed out. But all three of those women. That's Dasha
4: Polanco. Yes. The character is Kuka.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah, Just added her in. She was great. Also, though, fun fact about uh, Jimmy Smith's character they killed his wife on stage. Nina's mom is in the show. Oh, wow. And they were just like, eh, this will be more interesting. And it is. Wow. It's it's a better dynamic, I think. Yeah. having A little a single bit more of the controlling
0: father. Yeah. 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 I get, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Grant, who's a uh, pinching for you?
4: Uh, it's Mark Anthony. Hello.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely Hello. <laughs>
4: showing up in that part. And like that scene gives Anthony Ramos a lot. Like Mark Anthony, like I I watched that scene and immediately went back and watched it again before I continued the movie just because Mark Anthony is such a gracious like actor in that for Anthony Ramos for him to really shine at the dramatic part all the other stuff it's like alright it's love centric it's you know this conf- confliction he has this shows some like fucking acting range and some dark dark stuff mm-hmm. and dark too. stuff that like not all of New York is sunshine and rainbows so mm-hmm. I'm glad that they had that of this like guy that is disattached from this community on beer number 12 at yeah. like, is that, is that your and they, but they the couldn't the... have
2: him sing anything
4: I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah right
3: <laughs> it's another character though he's not in the stage show either yeah oh. I, really I, I kind of not...
0: w- yeah I would have guessed that just cause him only having one scene I'm like you're not gonna have
4: just but yeah, then know, it was it. also cool to see them like get a cool cameo of someone that is uh, huge in the Latin music community, Um and so I was like really stoked about. And then Mark Anthony was fucking good; he was so good in that role of just being the intimidating, just like the tattoos, the wide eyes, the unbuttoned belt. That was mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. be my thing when he it gets like, up and dude. his belt's unbuttoned and he's walking to the fridge for another beer. I'm like. The nuance. Yeah. The nuance. So good. Yeah. So yeah, he was definitely the, uh, the pinch hitter for me. I was
0: hoping that somebody else would have him so that then I could talk about his son, Sonny, uh, played by Gregory Diaz. He, for me, just every single time he came on the screen was making contact, really liked his relationship with... Anthony Ramos, Yusnavi, um, and and their kind of back and forth that they had, he's killing me with the beats around the head or around the neck every single time that he comes on the screen. Uh, but I really liked him, and then sort of his character arc that you get, where you think he's just kind of this like teenage, happy-go-lucky guy working at the bodega and everything, but then when he finally realizes that, you know, as an undocumented, um, you know man, young man in in the country that he's like, I knew I couldn't get a driver's license but now you're saying I can't go to college and all of a sudden his story gets real, real heavy and I really like kind of the relationship that he and Vanessa then formed towards the end of the movie. I really like that.
3: Uh, That's not in the stage show at all. Also, (laughs) I feel like a broken record. The character uh, of Sonny? No, Sonny's in it but he's not undocumented. There's nothing there. Like his dad's not in it like I said. Mm -hmm. He's just his cousin who's a kid who works in the bodega. Yeah.
0: Well, they did a great job then for um, writing his character into the movie because every single time he was on screen, I really liked him. Okay. So then, uh, best quote. What do we have for this one? Maddie, we'll start with you.
3: Um, I mean, I could list a lot of lyrics, but uh, something that See, I, always I was miss- like,
0: this will be interesting. Who goes lyrics and who goes, yeah. you know, well, scripted quotes?
3: This is one of the few lines that made it from the stage show, which is Does your cousin dance like a drunk Cheetah Rivera? Oh, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's so quick. It's between Sonny and Vanessa when Sonny's asking, her out for um Yusnavi. Yeah. But I just think it's really funny. I like it. I laugh every time.
2: That's a good one, <laughs> Max. Uh I had a quote from uh Olga uh is it Mer- Merdez, Merdias? 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh we had to assert our dignity in small ways. That's why these napkins are beautiful. That's why my mother's gloves uh were beautiful. Details tell the world we are not invisible. That whole scene, great stuff. Just fantastic. And really, like, just reminds me of my grandma's, you know? So just, yeah, that one stuck with me.
0: That scene and then the subsequent uh, scene of her trying to go get him, you know, dry cleaned, Mm -hmm. just heartbreaking. When all of a sudden she sees the price and she realizes that I can't afford this. The guy Um, offers to buy him. Yeah, 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 just the the
4: gentrification the the negative sides of the gentrification yeah uh grant what did would you have for quote um i went more on the comical side i have two that i want to throw out there um just because that's the thing i loved about stage productions no matter what it was like the the comic relief was always like my favorite part and like especially in musicals like when the writing in between can be really good and that's one thing i really loved about this movie is the writing in between the songs mm-hmm. was fantastic um, i really liked when uh he's talking to Alejandro for the first time, and he basically shows him the picture saying, like, hey, it got demolished. No one wants it. Like, if you put the deposit down, it's yours. And he's talk He's flashing back, talking about it. He's like, yeah, I was like John Wick with the soda gun. I was just like, bah, 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 bah. I was like, all right, that's that's a fun line, especially for New York. Um, but it wasn't until. The last song where I heard a line where I was like, "Oh, that's it, sold absolutely." It's when he d- has decided to stay. It's the "I'm Home" song, and uh, he's walking out of the bodega with Vanessa, uh, and he just turns and he says, "Merry Christmas, you old building alone. I'm home." And he quotes, <laughs> "It's a Wonderful Life." And I, I don't know if that's in the original Stay production song, but it's just a nice, like, little throwback thing. And that's one of my favorite movies. So I was, we just, I was immediately sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of went
0: with the, with the comical route too with mine, um, comical, but also just like very endearing and heartwarming, but it's, it's from Abolita Claudia as well. And it's, it's during that dinner scene that I just love so much. And it's when, um, Benny comes and he comes a little late and she just immediately turns to him and goes, let me get you a plate. And I was just like, because that's who she is. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Just bringing everybody in. You're all family. Your family. Your family. Just everyone sit down, crowd around the table. I'm the oldest person here. I'm the last person who should get up and make you a plate, but it's the first thing I'm going to offer to do. I just I love that for her character. Um, and then also too, I did like the first the first time, and I think you know this. Like if you're sharp and you're watching the movie, you can tell the way that the camera kind of lingers on that one girl during like the the. Um, when they're jumping back and forth between him telling the story to the children and stuff, you can kind of tell that that one is his daughter a little bit, but then the first time that they affirm it with her going, when he asks, do we want to take a break? And she goes, no daddy, keep going. Because then that's just kind of the first time where you're like, okay, everything that I think is about to happen as far as is going to happen. Yeah. Um, So I, I really like that as well. Okay. Shoot your shot. Like Maddie already said, some very cool, surreal stuff happened in this film. So what'd you have for your favorite kind of number?
3: Um, there were a couple I loved in the opening number. It was very short, but uh, when Benny comes in and Vanessa's opening, she's got the fridge door open, and Benny goes, "Here's your shot. Ask her out." And he and Yusnavi are looking through the um door of the fridge, and you can see her reflection. Maybe it's their reflection. It's I literally,
0: know. I have Vanessa at the Coke <laughs> fridge after yeah. being denied the apartment. I don't know if that's the same one Maybe. as you, yeah.
4: But I think it's the second time she. The second time she okay. goes okay. to the Coke fridge, okay. yeah same yeah i was like this is some good shit right yeah. here yeah and then
3: they do that reflection again when he's looking out you looking out the front door of the bodega and everybody's in the street dancing before yeah. they go outside yeah. i thought that was super cool um and then paciencia y Fe when she is when they've got like the the beams of light and she's holding it uh abuela's holding it in her hand really? and then all of a sudden it turns into a subway pole that transition is really cool I was yes like, oh yeah I like the, this. The,
0: the, the, like, in 15 seconds of that number. Just mm-hmm. great stuff. Yeah. Um, really cool visuals. Max, what would you have?
2: Uh, my favorite sequence was the 96,000, uh, you know, pool sequence. Mm-hmm. Where uh, it's, like, sweeping over the pool. It goes underwater at one point. You've got just tons and tons of people choreographed, dancing around, water splashing.
0: Basically, your entire cast is there at
2: that yeah. pool at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And it, it really... It definitely was my favorite song of of the movie as well, and uh, but yeah, it just puts you in a really, really awesome mood,
3: and it's a cool tip of the hat to those like early movie musicals like bugsby berkeley and stuff with the big um
2: synchronized swimmers yeah yeah Yeah.
3: i was like all right i see that yeah some
4: of those overhead shots of vanessa yeah Yeah. really cool stuff grant what'd you have for your favorite um i i really like the shot that maddie mentioned of him looking out the bodega and everyone's dancing in the street and then they revisit that towards the end too with another shot of him looking out and (laughs) that's another reflection so i i like that um there's a, there's a lot of great establishing shots. The uh, cinematography of the uh, Nina and Benny like dance where they're like sideways on the building and like dancing up and down. Like there were some cool like trick shots with that of just like swooping around them. But th- for some reason, and I just liked it because it it just adds a little bit more to what the whole story was about. Um, was the very last shot of his daughter and that little smirk she gives with the hat on, like ending it like that. It just put a huge smile on my face. And I was just like, cool. Like we've established like now the future of the Heights and like that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're staying grounded in what we are. Like, it was just a really cool moment to, End the musical rather than just like an overhead shot of everyone with their hands up in the air like it yeah, was, it was like really more, cool it felt and, more personal yeah and then that, that little girl just that that smirk I was like damn that was a, yeah. that was good that was good yeah.
0: uh well so yeah I kind of already mentioned mine it's Vanessa at the Coke fridge um, and this is when Yusnavi goes and he like fogs up his side and mm-hmm. does the little dot smiley face um, and they're having that little interaction I really like that but then also too when Vanessa's walking down the avenue and all the sheets of fabric start pouring over the tops of the buildings I thought that was just really kind of cool and surreal and i knew we were going to get some sort you know some stuff like that in the film because of like the the inverted dance on the apartment building and things like that i knew we were going to get some sort of fantastical elements and so i I just like that one that one just was pretty surreal and cool yeah i dug it okay so now all hans on deck our favorite our favorite part of music in this movie could go on forever. Um, but, and we've already, Max, you kind of already touched, you love 96,000.
2: Yeah. Th- and that's my, my answer. For yeah. I, I figured it, It's just, it, I, I think it's just I, the strongest song and the strongest sequence in, in the movie. Uh, and, and felt the most, you know, like a traditional musical and uh, just really, really, I had enjoyable. three
4: written down and that was the first of my three. And for that same reason, it's, it's my pick as well. Yeah. Cause it has that sense of, you have all the characters there some of them are singing in the same trope. Some of them are singing in a different. And at the end, you have all three lining up and they all harmonize with each other. And it has a, a great, great comedic part where like Vanessa's like just mopey. And he, he like asks her and she starts singing that way. And he just like, all right, then stay broke then. And like walks away because that was my reaction. I was like, oh, she's just going to be like, bring this song. And then how he reacts kept me in it. And then, like I said, how they all line up at the end. It was by far and away. My favorite song out of the out of the bunch.
3: Uh, I love ninety six thousand. I love the finale from the start to the end because he starts out lights out on Washington Heights and he goes and does everything. And then there's kind of like the music from When You're Home, which is another song that I love. Um, in with it, and it's just so happy. I just I love it.
0: Yeah, um, I so and we already talked about Ponsiente, uh Yifei. I really love that song mm-hmm. as well, just because you know that's. Not your traditional. I mean, I guess every mus- movie musical does kind of have that one song that grounds you in whatever the. Whatever the conflict uh, is of the story, not that you know her passing is really a conflict in this story, but
2: still, it's you know one of the down parts. No real villains in this movie, other than Mark Anthony,
4: maybe, and, and that guy Pike. I right? would just say but the gentrification you know, of the neighborhood, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, which is kind of leading a lot of these characters to want to break out of the heights. And, um, but then also, I th- for me, what was most impressive, I think, was the carnival. Um, Number that they did. That's great. Just because, like, that starts at zero. Whereas like the ninety six thousand, I love that scene because it started already at like seventy five. Everybody's really hyped up, and then it just takes it to one hundred. The carnival number starts like at zero, and they have to bring it all the way up. Uh, and so I just really like that. You had so many people coming out of the different alleys and side streets and stuff to perform that number. Uh, Lin Manuel gets a, a cool little cameo in that in that number as well. So. And it's
4: such a small space where yeah, all the tight. other numbers are like really grand and epic and wide and. This- this is like getting so many people tight while still doing some amazing choreography. A super
0: impressive set piece, yeah. Um, okay, so now Too Long Didn't Need our fifth category, Scene Critique. What'd you have, Maddie?
3: Um, I actually had When the Sun Goes Down, which is the dream ballet song on the side of the building. I feel like after Abuela passes, uh, we have the carnival. And so like the pace goes down and then it gets picked back up with that. And we're like, all right. And I was ready for the finale after that. I was like, I think that, like, we're pretty close to the end. And then they have this moment. And I just feel like, I know you guys really liked them, but I kind of feel like they're the B love plot, and to give them five minutes in the you know last quarter of the movie was just a lot to kind of slow down the pace and pump the brakes. And I was ready to just once we got it back up again, I was ready to just go all the way to the end.
4: It's hard. It's hard to argue with that. I, I agree. Cool, cool shots, but definitely longer than it needed to be. It's exactly what I had on 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 my answer as well. Uh,
2: that. I understand that it's a homage to Fred Astaire and like that trick of of dancing on the ceiling and whatnot, but but, yeah, it just like let's get going here, come on,
0: especially the fact too that their yeah kind of b level relationship is very well established. You know that these two are kind of already together anyways, and mm-hmm. so like a a big musical number that's gonna lead to them just like kissing again, we're kind of like, okay, we got it, we got it, yeah. Uh, Grant, what was your scene critique?
4: Um, you're not going to like it, Alex. It's the character of Sammy.
3: Sonny.
4: Sonny, yes. Yeah. I just was not captivated by this character at all. I think it would have been much better if he was just the cousin that was just working at the bodega. Um, not taking away from the story that they're trying to add with him of like being undocumented and that whole thing. Like Totally understandable in what they're trying to tell in this story of this you know, Latin community but for me just in the grand scheme of things and also the actor himself i just wasn't sold on yeah, i mean he was the only part of the movie his character where i was just kind of like all right can we just jump back to the to the other other guys so um i did like what his character then served for nina and her finding what she wanted to do like that that part was great um, but yeah, like the, the the kid himself and then the character, I was just like, let's just move. Let's just go back to the other main guys because I'd much rather watch even the B love story. I'd much rather watch that than watch him. Um, okay, well, I will, I I will see your Sonny
0: critique and raise you a John Wick critique just because I I literally had the pop culture references that that were made throughout this film. The John Wick one, especially because I feel like this movie did such a good job of obviously being set in present day because you do have some characters with cell phones and things like smartphones too. Um, but for the most part, it feels sort of timeless the way that people are dressed and the way The way that, uh, you know, kind of the characters that they talk, you know, they're not really using a lot of um, like current, current slang language, social media type language and things like that. And so to all of a sudden him just like to drop a John Wick reference really kind of took me out of it. And that was still within the first 30 minutes where I was trying to find my bearings. And I was just like, let's not just like drop a bunch of fun
4: things like this in here. Besides the part in the blackout where they all have their flashlights with their phone. Other than that, the entire state production, knowing now that it was, you know, done in the early 2000s, makes sense. Because you can literally put it, uh, put it in any time period in the last 20 years.
3: Yeah, I actually was really surprised when they all, when I saw a smartphone and then I saw Sunny with an iPhone. I was like, oh, they, they did set this in today because those are the only times you really see the phones. And I think it, like, technically takes place in, like, 2003-ish. Um, like, when Lynn was first writing, it was kind of present day at the time. So it was really in that before everybody had a cell phone time.
4: I didn't look it up, but is the blackout that it's based on, like, one that happened? I don't know. Was it, like, a, a larger blackout or something?
0: I mean, there's well, obviously... Blackouts th-
2: happen all the time in New
4: York? That's true. Uh, well, there's the, the real
0: famous ones from the 70s, and mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of just... When I remember I, I remember movies. a few in the
4: 2000s that were, like, pretty mm-hmm. pretty huge, but...
2: Uh, And then
0: also, too, and I know we've kind of talked about this already, but I did not like the breaking of the fourth wall because it only comes from Yusnavi's character. And so that kind of took me out of the movie as well and the whole like flashback storytelling kind of trick that they were trying to do because I'm like, listen... I know you're not in the Dominican Republic right now. There's
4: no way you're going to leave the heights. You see and, the the New York lottery sign behind him. Where it, I was kind of like the entire time. it cut back to him. I was like, uh, so I'm what? like, once we get this eventual
0: payoff, and and I didn't know exactly how it was going to happen, but like I know that that's your daughter. I know that at the end there's going to be some sort of deal, and of course it happens when his daughter's just like, can I go swimming? And he's like, I don't know, ask your mother. Like I told Haley, I go. He's literally going to say something like. I don't know. Here comes your mom or I don't know. Ask your mother. And then it happened. So that was just telegraphed and what I could see it coming a mile away. And so I, I just, I could have done without it. Um, I don't think that you, we need to think that you ever going to leave the block because he's, his entire story is about how he just loves the heights so much. And so I just, I didn't buy into that one bit. Um, okay. So now driving double feature, I had a lot of fun with this one. I paired it up with one of my favorite movies of all times, but I'll let you guys go first. Did you as well, Max? Fucking A.
3: Okay, Maddie, oh. go. Um, <laughs> I I didn't think about this for too long. My first thought, it's going to be a long night, but I put West Side Story because it's another musical uh, about Puerto Ricans uh, that takes place in New York. And, Bingo. And maybe we'll say Spielberg's West Side Story once we see it. But uh, And I would put West Side Story first. Okay. As like the, I think it takes place in the 50s, mm-hmm. the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like then and modern day kind of like bookends. So that
0: makes sense. And too, like what we were saying, aside from a few things, this movie could kind of fit into any decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that makes sense to th- put one that's firmly grounded in one time period first and then show this one. I like that. Uh, on the count of three.
4: Do, Do the, the right, right thing. thing. <laughs> um, I knew it. Yeah. I knew
0: it. it uh. I mean, I've been, and Spike does have a couple of musicals under his belt on his resume, but um, the entire time I was just like, this is just a, a Puerto Rican Latino version of Do the Right Thing without the singing. Uh, it, total, total. Down totally. to the characters almost. Such like,
2: a s- a similar vibe, the heat. Mookie and Usnavi, it, you know, so similar, trying the, yeah. to get out the block. It's the you know? New York borough. Yep. Yeah. It's such a neighborhood centric movie
0: mother sister as like the matriarch of of bed mm-hmm. and abelia claudia as the matriarch of of washington heights i was just like overwhelmed almost <laughs> at times i couldn't write down do the right thing fast enough uh,
4: yeah so nice nice grant um so i kind of went with two i wanted like oh, oh wait hold on excuse me what are you showing first <laughs>
2: Uh, I am showing uh, Do the Right Thing first. Really?
0: I had yeah. the opposite.
2: Because I think Do, do the Right Thing is probably a little bit darker. And so yeah. let's show that first and then – and then we'll we'll bring the people back up with in the heights. Okay.
0: Yeah. See, my kids got the kids at the drive-in got to be asleep by the time Do the Right Thing comes on. So
4: uh, yeah, in the heights is going first. Okay, Grant. Um, I wanted to go one musical, one non-musical, and Do the Right Thing obviously came up in conversation, which was one of John M. Chu's like inspiration as far as how he's going to film it. Which the other one, which I thought of, which then I looked it up, I was like, oh, great minds think alike, is Annie Hall. Oh. Um, but then the musical one, just because of the musical numbers and the extravagance of the choreography, especially with 96,000 and uh, all the other like big street ones, I'm going with Singing in the Rain, just because it's just classic musical you get the big numbers you get the big choreography you get a lot of still camera work in that one where like in the heights does have a lot of like barely moving cameras while it's just showing Mm -hmm. the attention to choreography Mm -hmm. so i think it's a good one too of like if you're in a musical mood like you get some classic you get some new so i'd start with in the heights and then end with singing in the rain nice
0: those are all really good picks guys um, you especially, Max. Um, okay, so now our legs category. What do we think that this film's legacy will be? I think we kind of already touched it on, on it in the intro, and I totally agree with everything that we already said. But let's let's uh, get our predictions out there officially.
3: Anthony Ramos is a star. Yep. Period.
0: Boom. <laughs>
2: Max. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I said, everyone in this movie is going to benefit from being in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can say that, like Lin uh, Manuel Miranda, two for two now. If you're counting Hamilton uh, and and this as as far as a box office smash or a movie smash, um, and and I, again, I, I think it's going to compete uh, next spring at, at the Oscars.
4: I think this movie will start the conversation that. Hamilton of the seeds that eventually and Maddie I don't know if you agree with this but for someone that is not as into theater as you are I look at this as the introduction of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda in the conversation of in the same essence of Stephen Sondheim
3: totally Th- this yeah. guy M-
4: Miranda's just getting started and he's given us two amazing hits plus everything else that he's done mm-hmm. that I'm not aware of, which I'm sure is insanely vast. So I think it's, it's great for him. And I, we're going to hear a lot of him coming down the road. And then of course, Anthony Ramos, um, uh, Leslie, Grace, all these, like all these people, uh, Corey Hawk. It's like, it's crazy how many of these people were phenomenal in this. And yeah, I think it's like how Max said, it's just good for everyone.
2: Uh- I will say, as much as we all really enjoyed this movie, for the second part of this podcast, is it on anyone's list? Spoiler alert
4: for me, no.
3: It would be if I had seen it before I made my list. It would be.
4: It's it's in my honorable mentions, but no, it's not on yeah, my top It wasn't fives.
2: on my list either. It's good. I like
0: that. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, just kind of echoing all your guys' sentiments, I think that this will be... I feel like we have two kind of uh, musicals happening right now where we have like the La La Lands of the world and then we have the Hamiltons of the world where like one is like very true to what theater is and the other is more like trying to be a blockbuster. This was like an interesting hybrid mm-hmm. I think between the two of them, but I think it'll be the first sort of post La La Land, post Hamilton musical especially of 2021 which it, like we talked about is going to end up being a huge year for musicals where I agree with you Max I think that this West Side Story, the film that's opening um, Cannes Film Festival, I I mean, um, Annette, I believe is Mm -hmm. what it's called. I think that, yeah, we could be looking back in a couple of years is like, wow, 2021 post pandemic. Why was there a huge like a a third renaissance in in musicals Um, and kind of taking from what the Disney side of things has been doing the last 10, 15 years or whatever and returning it to, you know, real life motion capture stuff
2: it's gonna be so interesting to see what Spielberg's west side story is Mm -hmm. like especially because we've had such a good time within the heights like there's a lot of pressure on that film now.
4: yeah absolutely before we move on there's an easter egg I totally forgot to mention I want to make sure it gets out there we don't forget it the f- yes, yep. Maddie just gestured. She knows exactly. It's the uh, when uh, the dad is on hold with Stanford, and it's like the hold music that he's listening to is the King George like tune of Hamilton. You'll be the back. And when I heard that, I was like, man, just another little like thing to throw out there, which adds to the legs of Lin Manuel Miranda,
0: creating the universe. I'd love creating to- <laughs> the universe. creating to universe. <laughs>
1: universe.
0: Um, okay, so. You know, I feel like it's a bit arbitrary to to rank these films. We haven't really ranked, you know, given a, a number rating to any of the ones that we've reviewed lately, just because, you know, a number is just whatever. It's very subjective. I think we all would very much recommend this film, and we had a really good time watching it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely Ab- recommend absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Absolutely. It's a fun flick.
0: Um, okay, so with our official review of In the Heights, In the Books, let's take a quick break.
3: I'm Amelia Sanson and I'm Liz Ball and we're the hosts of The Holy Hour, a podcast where we talk about modern dating, sex and life in general. It's like hanging out with your girlfriends who say the things you think in private but out loud on a public podcast. So join us for The Holy Hour, a Chatter Network podcast available wherever you like to listen.
1: We love you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot.
0: All right, we're back and ready to take a step, in, a step back and talk about some of our favorite movie musicals of all time. We, of course, love reviewing new films here on the podcast, but what we really look forward to each week is talking about movies from the past that we care for dearly and hopefully in the process make the case for one or two of you listeners to check out some of these titles. Now, with the genre of musicals, I feel we are really going to be treading into uncharted waters which is a big reason why you're here, Maddie, uh, to keep us afloat during this conversation. So before we get into our individual top fives, let's take a quick second and talk about our key ingredients. Um, What goes into making a great all-time movie musical for you?
3: A huge thing for me is good sound editing. Um, These songs were not written to sound like pop songs. So when I see a movie musical that was produced and it's mixed to death and auto-tuned, I hate it. Um, And that's why a lot of things that we would think would be on my list are not on my list. One of the things that I really liked about In the Heights is that there were some imperfections that were kept. Um, so I think sound is key. Um, and then I, we said this earlier but pacing. Pacing is so important. And on stage when it's live and there's the energy of the performers right in front of you and you've got the clapping between songs to keep it going, it's really easy to keep the pacing on pace. But when you're in a theater and people aren't clapping between songs, I hope, um, if the pacing's not clipping along, it's really hard.
0: Yeah, pacing was a huge one that I had. Max, what about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, hey, you need songs and you need dance numbers. <laughs> kind of more more of a, a basic answer. But you need stuff that, like, is going to get the people tapping their feet. Uh, I need to enjoy the music that is on screen. Um, and... And and it needs to and it needs to just happen like I, that's a, one of the coolest things about musicals and why they're kind of really magical is that music just starts happening in, in the middle of a scene uh, and I just love that feeling of like trying to guess like oh when's this next song gonna come yeah
4: yeah for me it's what I kind of mentioned before of kind of like in a song there's multiple <laughs> layers that then kind of overlap on each other there's thematic themes going throughout that can overlap. Um, my favorite is reprisals, where it starts out one way and then comes out and it's either grander or sadder or something. So, like, there's just very, the music is just thematic and kind of adheres to the personal characters rather than necessarily what's going on. Because you can shape it as far as the tone goes. Um, and then the other one is how I break it out is, like, the, the stage time or the screen time needs to be, like, 60% on the main story, 30% on either the bad guy or the subplot. And then ten percent of all of them there together. It it always kind of breaks down at least in some way of that faction because you like it gets you more with the other stories, whether it's a subplot or the villain himself. And there's a certain movie I'm specifically referencing that kind of set for me when I look at musicals, kind of that. But I always feel like you need to have the somewhat of a balance between all the plot lines.
0: Do you agree with that pie chart?
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I think so too. I dig it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do. That's
0: okay, good. okay, cool. Um. Okay, so for me, I I need my songs to be able to exist outside of the film. Like I need to be able to fire them up on iTunes or whatever or get the CD and play it in my car or whatever. That sounds like ancient, yeah. I know. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the songs need to exist outside of the movie. I can't just love to listen to the songs while watching the movie. Um, so that's a big one for me. Um, I need a kind of level of camp, not too much, but a little bit. And in the Heights, I think like – blurred those lines perfectly where i was just like okay this can never happen but it's so fantastic that i'm totally into it and i dig it It doesn't take me out of the movie and then um you know shout out to van and redux mr intro track and outro track but i really need a solid like intro song and then like the outro song finale uh, the finale the big grand (laughs) finale Uh, i feel like those are real key components right there uh okay so be paying attention. Make sure that all our movies uh, hit those hit those standards, and we'll start with our number fives here, Maddie. Oh, I want to
2: interrupt real quick okay. and pull the reins. Do we? What is your favorite stage musical performance? Oh,
3: um, it's a musical called Come From Away, and it opened on Broadway a few years ago. I saw it in Seattle at the Seattle Rep um it is a one act which is nice talk about pacing clips along there are no buttons at the end of the songs so you don't get a chance to clap between songs it just goes um and it's about the 38 planes that were rerouted to gander newfoundland on 911 and you think oh what a horrible horrible plot for a show but it is about like perseverance and human kindness and how the people of this town took in all of these people that were up in the sky on 911 and all came and they took them in and they made them food and they put them up in the schools and the gyms they set up beds for them wow it's amazing i think they're doing um like a pro shot like what they did for hamilton for it oh okay see it watch it absolutely it's awesome. fantastic yeah do
2: you guys have favorite stage musicals
4: i mean i i grew up going to nutcracker every year which is just a great stage performance i saw like i said i saw like <laughs> Oh, uh,
3: sorry.
4: We'll you say yours. We'll laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no. Yeah. Keep going, keep uh, going. Um, but no, I think honestly, my favorite. It's not a musical, but my favorite like stage.
3: It
4: is. I no, no, the one, one I'm about oh, to okay. say. I don't Shipping know before. why you guys shit for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I'm, like, up over I'm here, sorry, though. the most popular like <laughs> <laughs> <but> <laughs> I don't know, musical don't time. Max hates Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> um, but no. Uh, honestly, just because it was the funniest thing I ever saw on stage, and it may be a musical. But I think they only had like two numbers, but it was um, I saw it when my dad was principal of South Kitsap High School. It was a high school stage production and it was a it was a play called Goofs. And it was just like this play. It was like this, like two smart people happen upon this village that is just full of idiots. And it's them trying to educate them. And it's just hilarious. Um, Other than that, Sound of Music.
0: Uh, I did see Lion King when I was very young um, up in Seattle, and I can remember that pretty well. So I, I would say that probably, but no, Max, it was Tacoma Little Theater's production of The Evil Dead the musical
2: Aha! two Halloween's ago. Thank Come on, you. man, duh, absolutely. No, yeah, that, that's definitely up there. Uh, interesting enough, lo- interesting enough. My favorite stage musical is one I've never seen live, and it's the Book of Mormon.
4: <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just had to do it because he did it. <laughs> I, I don't know why I laughed
2: at that Cracker. <laughs> it was just like the most Grant thing to come out <laughs> of your <laughs>
1: mouth. It's not, but okay.
2: Um, but as you were saying, like the yeah. songs need to exist outside the musicals. I turn up Book of Mormon in 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 the car all the time. It's just so fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, I've been with you in the car, and you've been listening to that <laughs> yeah. before. You even wanted to organize, when that was touring, you wanted yeah. to organize um, a trip up to Seattle yeah. to go see that. Yeah, it's too bad we weren't, weren't able to do that. But yeah, uh, pandemic. Matt and Trey, geniuses. Yeah. Um, okay, so here we go. Maddie, your number five
3: musical. My number five, I'm a little scared I'm going to get laughed at by Max because it is <laughs> Christmas. Um, I never thought this would be on my list, but this is a musical, probably the musical that I watch the most. And that is 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol.
4: Oh, my goodness. Nice. Fantastic choice.
3: Great music. We know all the songs. We know the actors. Um, I did notice earlier uh, there was a thing about recurring themes. Mm. My honorable mentions also have Frank Oz involved. So you don't think Frank Oz in musicals, but apparently you do.
0: You certainly think Frank Oz in puppets, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a great pick. I don't know if either of you guys have the Muppets anywhere on your list, but I feel like they have to be represented
2: um, in this Muppet episode. Any movie yeah. Could, yeah. could be, uh, Absolutely. in my honorable mentions, yeah. for sure.
0: Uh, so no, that's great. Okay, Max, your number five.
2: Uh, so my number five is not technically, like, it's not a very good movie, but it is a movie that I grew up with <laughs> as a kid and made me want to be a cool kid and go learn tap dance and all that. So yeah, I, I remember taking a tap dance class when Take I was a young Take girls to the Nutcracker on Christmas. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Uh, and that is uh, Robin and the Seven Hoods, which is a Frank Sinatra Rat Pack uh, film. Very nice. And again, not a whole lot of dancing because they're all kind of old in the, at this point, and they're not they're not yeah. limber enough to be dancing around. But it's got Bing Crosby, it's got Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra. It's about uh, like nineteen thirty Chicago gangsters and gambling and running alcohol, um, and it's a take on you know the Robin Hood story. But in that setting. Um and it's got one of the best finale songs, uh, My Kinda Town, uh uh by by Frank Sinatra. And yeah, just one that I, I grew up watching oddly a ton. So it has to be on my list.
0: I, I've never seen that. I'd I'd love to check that out. Yeah. Grant, you're number five.
4: All right. Well my my list is constructed of like a couple classics, a legacy pick, and then two personal favorites. And so mine's starting off with one that is just a classic, for me, at least. And that is Newsies.
1: For a buck I might. <laughs> Dishes, beats, what a fine
4: life. In the uh, and you can look on Disney Plus right now. There is the like the movie one, which obviously I'm talking about with the one with Christian Bale. And then there is like the pro shot, the stage production one, which is mind blowingly awesome. And like obviously you get some songs that aren't in the original. So both worth a watch. But it's just one of those, like I said, like the, when I was referring to that pie chart, this is the movie I'm talking about, to where it has that balance of you're focusing on the newsies, you're really focusing on the main character, you get the bad guy a little bit, and then the parts where they all interact, like it all balances out.
2: Santa Fe, is one Santa of the greatest,
4: right? Greatest songs. Tell me about it. So yeah, I, I like carrying the banner. I will like that is my shower song. <laughs> I'll just be in the shower, and in a fine life, carrying the banner through it all. And you got to get the accent. You got to get the accent. So, yeah, Newsies is, is – but it's always – ever since I saw it for the first time, I remember my next-door neighbors just, like, when I was a kid going up to their house. They're like, we're going to watch the Newsies. I was like, what is that? And we watched it. I was like, we watched it back to back to back. It was fantastic.
2: Shout-out to Cousin Chris, who, like, this is, like, his favorite movie of all there you time. Go.
4: Really? Yeah. Oh,
2: Funny. I know what I'm getting him
0: for Christmas. Um Okay, so I guess I'll be the first one to do this. My number five is going to go completely into the animated world. Yes. Um, and so I have the 1967 The Jungle Book
1: as, as my number
0: five. course. Um. So for me, this is, I think, not only one of my favorite musicals apparently of all time. You know, like I, I have that epiphany sort of midweek. I don't really know when you guys had it or maybe if you've always had it, but that just like – Freaking hey man, every Disney movie is a musical. Mm-hmm. Um and so I try not to, you know, just overpollute my my list with that. But this I I honestly think is my favorite Disney movie. I think it's an underrated Disney movie, which might sound a little blasphemous, but when you think about it, like there's really been no ride, you know, based around this movie ever that you don't really see merch. It hasn't really endured with like the younger generation because I think it's because it's like it's not a obviously like a Disney Princess movie. It's it's not a movie with obviously you have like singing animals and things like that, but the character of Mowgli, who actually doesn't do a lot of singing in the movie. It it is kind of all the animals. Mowgli, for whatever reason, Disney has just kind of chosen not to market, I guess. Um but so I've always really, really liked him. Uh you get Sher Khan, which is just like an underrepresented mm-hmm. uh, Disney villain, also in this. But of course, we're, we're here to talk about the songs. And, um, you know, you start with the Pachyderm March, um, which is just awesome, so great. Uh, you know, then you get Baloo doing the bare necessities. Some of these songs, for being a movie that, I, for whatever reason, doesn't get as much love as I feel like other Disney movies gets has like some of the all time bangers. King Louie doing I Want to Be Like You. Just great stuff there. Ka with Trust in Me. Um, the Vultures, were, and I did go back and rewatch this film this week. I'm like, Buzzards, Vultures, I don't know exactly what they're trying to be. But I'm like, what is this odd like quartet of like British invasion? They're kind of the Beatles. They have like the mop tops and stuff like that. The Liverpool accent. Totally. I was just like, this is so funny here. Um, and then, of course... You know, talk about like a banger of an outro track. You have like the girl from the village doing um, my own home. And that's finally kind of the song that brings Mowgli out of the jungle. We just got our first shimmy shake here from Maddie. Um, Yeah, I just I really like that. And then I already kind of touched on how I think it's really unique because you don't really have your main character of Mowgli. Yeah, he jumps in um, with Baloo during the Bear Necessities and King Louie with I Want to Be Like You. But Mowgli doesn't really have his own song, um, which I just find it's. Kind
4: of unique, kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's my number five. My grandpa, anytime he would play Louis Prima when I was a kid, would just be like, you know, this is King, King, Louis. King Louis. Yeah, And exactly. we'd always be like, what? And then my grandpa would start singing it. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, so, yeah, this is fantastic pick. Yeah. I'm so glad this got brought up.
0: Uh, yeah, love the Jungle Book. Okay, so now our number fours. Maddie?
3: Um, number four, Disney produced uh, 1997's Wonderful World of Disney's Cinderella. Mm, okay. Uh starring Whitney Houston, Mm -hmm. Brandy. I don't know her last name, but Brandy. Uh,
2: She's just a one-name She's a one-name wonder. Yeah, Yeah, Brandy.
3: Um, You've got Bernadette Peters. You have Victor Garber, who got his Mm -hmm. start on Broadway. Don't Mm -hmm. forget. You've got um, Jason Alexander, another Broadway performer. The cast is insane. It's awesome. It is one of the first shows. It came out in 97, so I think I was like four when I saw it. And I don't really remember life before it, but I remember... We watched it on TV. I think we probably recorded it, you know, put the tape in the VCR and pray it works. But I remember being at Gig Harbor Rite Aid, seeing the case on the shelf. My sister and I both saw it. And I was like, we have to have this. And I watched that thing all the time. I bought the DVD in like 2010. And it's now on Disney Plus, which is awesome. There
0: was like that huge fan movement to get it on the service. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome.
3: Yeah. Um, And that's actually a remake. It came out in the 50s starring Julie Andrews. And it was like a vehicle to get her to stardom. Um, And it was really successful. But they it up. They added more Rodgers and Hammerstein songs to this version. Also some Rodgers and Hart songs just from other shows that they'd written to make it like a full length musical. And it's great. It's magical. It's whimsical. The sets are awesome. The kind of cartoony, the costumes are incredible. Rob Marshall choreographed it. The numbers are, it's great.
0: I'd go so far as to say that dress that Brandy wears is like iconic. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah.
3: at the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle right now. Is it? Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I, my sister would be real happy to hear you have this on there. On there, um, this wasn't was. Did this start as a Disney Channel movie? Was it on the network or was so this it in was, theaters? It was on actually? ABC. It was it's part on... of the
3: Wonderful World of Disney. Okay. They did this, okay. and they did like. I couldn't remember how this movie other. was released, but yeah, it, was it was a was cultural phenomenon when it came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. Uh, all right, Max, you're number four.
2: Okay, so if Book of Mormon is my all time stage musical, then I have to pay tribute to the movie that gets them book of mormon and that's matt parker err matt stone and trey parker and that is south park bigger longer uncut
1: we must go find the source of it but what is the source Oh, that's easy! Times have changed! Our kids are getting worse! They won't obey their parents, they just want to fight and curse! Should we blame the government? Or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No! Blame Canada! Blame Canada! For the beady little eyes, and clap their heads some more to which I rewatch this
2: week and, and it's just so so funny and we'll such oh a oh and a homage to like the old golden era musicals but just written from you know from the South Park angle which is insane um but also blame canada was nominated for at an the Oscar. oscars it was
0: performed <laughs> at the oscars by robin
2: williams I, this movie is just, its really is fantastic. And again, kind of off the, my first two picks, kind of off the beaten path, but uh, I, I really highly recommend this for anyone who doesn't like musicals to get them into musicals.
4: Yeah, that's a good nice. point. Yeah. My list is changing rapidly <laughs> as we're talking. I, I am editing on it on my phone, like constantly as we're talking. Are um, you set on your number four? Uh, I'm set on my number four because i moved it down because I need to focus on my top three. Okay, now. okay. Um, <laughs> hit us with so, it. So my number four is um, I'm going with, we've mentioned it before, but it was kind of like the, the re-spark of musicals, especially how you just said people who don't like musicals, this will get them into it, is the pro shot of Hamilton. Uh, blew me away. I I was late to the game. And I kept hearing people being like, "I can't stop listening. I can't stop watching." It finally got up on a Disney Plus, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna watch this." I did not touch my phone once. I sat through that thing. I was, especially for a musical where there is no speaking; it's all song. Which kind of like right off the bat, I was like, "Oh man!" It's like oh, technically an opera. Yeah, like, it's, oh jeez, like here we go, and then <laughs> and then the entire time I'm like, "This is so brilliant." So smart. The things they did, even with the, like, I want to say three or four cameras they used, even the cinematography is fantastic in this pro shot. The stage production is insane, how they're able to rewind things, the rotating thing in the center, uh, people playing multiple characters, and you're able to differentiate them. Like, they do just a great job. Um, and it was awesome that it was so far past the original, like, stage like the presentation where they got the entire original cast back for this specifically. That's just a cool little thing. And like we said, Lin-Manuel is the future of this genre of film. So I was really stoked that this got nominated for an Oscar so I could talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's my number four.
0: Is this on anybody else's list? Okay.
4: It's on my honorable mention. Okay. Well, I'm happy that you, yeah, had it on there. It's because like it you, needed you, you to be want to talk about. about. You want to talk about like if this is a key ingredient of you can play it in your car while you're driving 100%. around. Like I've been jamming out at stoplights to outnumbered outplant. Like nice. absolutely,
2: this was such a important movie during the pandemic
4: too. <laughs> <It> really <laughs> yes, it was. Really it was. was. It really was. It really was. Uh, that's great.
0: Okay, so my number four pick. Here we go. This is where. Um, i just stay true to myself. It's uh, the 2000 film, Dancer in the Dark, directed by Lars von Trier, who is just one of my guys. Um, As morbid as that may be, he's one of my guys. (laughs) Uh, But this film stars Bjork, and all the music is composed and performed by her. Um, Just a brief synopsis, because I know not very many people have seen this movie. Um, But... It's uh, about a Eastern European girl who moves to a small rural Washington state town in 1964. Um, she's obsessed with musicals and just hopes that her life will soon become one. However, she has degenerate eyesight and it's hereditary. And so it's being passed along to her son. He doesn't know about it yet, though. She has this job in a factory, which... Uh, uh, you know, and if you know how <laughs> Lars shoots his movies, LVT just, classics, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know, there's some really intense stuff while she's working in the factory and her eyesight's going. But the musical numbers in this film, for, I went back and rewatched it because this was like the, or no, this was the first time that I'd ever watched this movie. Mm. But um, having just loved Lars for a long time now, um, I knew that this was kind of one of his more tame films. Still, uh, a hard rating uh, on this film of R. But, uh, yeah, just some incredible stuff. I've never been into Bjork before, never really given her music a chance, have gone through her, like, uh, you know, she has an enormous catalog, but a lot of her hits after listening to this, because she just blew me away. She was nominated um, at a bunch of different award shows, basically everything except the Golden Globes this year (laughs) for this performance, or except the Oscars for this performance. She won Best Actress at Cannes the year that this film came out. You get great supporting roles from Catherine Deneuve. Yes, yeah, Catherine Deneuve, uh, David Morse, and Peter Stormare, who, you know, you'd recognize them all, especially Catherine. You know, she's like a a goat, a legend of the musical genre. And, yeah, so I would just highly recommend this film to anybody who wants to get into Lars von Trier, and then you can slowly work your way up uh, his ladder, a good intro to Bjork. And, yeah, just uh, do not watch it alone, though. This movie, like... Could put you in a dark place, as basically any Lars von Trier movie would, um, or maybe that's why you should watch it alone. I don't know, but I went back and watched it for the first time. Just had a had a great time. Just he always fucking shakes me to my core. Uh, so that's my number four.
2: I had no idea he did a musical. Yeah, that yeah. sounds <laughs> just terrifying with Bjork too.
0: <laughs> okay, so now we're on to our number threes.
3: I had never seen the full version or the this movie all the way through until this. So thank you guys so much. Singing in the Rain. Um, we've got to talk about it. It's iconic.
4: Wait, you've never saw all the way through? No, I'd the... only seen like... Wow, okay. Probably
3: almost every big musical number, like production right. number, but I'd never actually seen all of it, which I don't know how that happened, but it did. So thank you guys for inviting me on here so we could fix that.
2: Yeah, I left it off my list because I was like, oh, the... there's no chance that Maddie leaves Singing in the Rain off her list.
3: Well, I almost did. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, I know that this is one of the most, it's it's typically on like the top 20 like, Yeah,
0: I would say like uh, in the top five yeah, of absolutely. almost every list. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and it's just Gene Kelly at his best. And the, I mean, the title song, that sequence, I have seen that a million times. And it's just so. Well, yeah,
0: you have a pulse. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I am here. Um, it's just iconic. And it's. It's a big production number musical, and I think that it really set the tone because it came out in the early 50s, I want to say, which really, you know, through the 50s and the 60s, we had so many movie musical blockbusters, and this was one. It's also cool. I typically don't like it when uh, musicals start out as movies. Sometimes it doesn't work. Totally works here. I don't know if this works on stage. It's not that often. That would be a good
4: question. It's it's one of the few reversals I've seen to where, like, in the Heights, where I was watching it before I knew that it was a stage production before, I was like, man, I probably would have liked this more as a stage production. Makes sense. And then Singing in the Rain is one of those where exactly, like, it almost can't be Mm -hmm. because of the film tropes that they use. I mean, like, this movie echoes through eternity all the way to Inception and beyond of the stuff they did. So you're very right. Like, it is very much a a musical film. Mm Mm-hmm. It does this... Okay,
0: sidebar. Which movie can best take claim to the yellow raincoat? Is it Singing in the Rain? Paddington. Is it... Is it okay. I'm kidding. It, I'm kidding is it, I'm that's kidding. what I'm thinking. Is it it? Is it Singing in the Rain? No.
3: You know, it's weird, though. He doesn't wear the yellow raincoat. No, he has, like, the song. yellow
2: blazer. He's just... Right? Uh,
3: the yellow blazer's in the Broadway melody but he's just in a suit yeah
2: he's just in a great like fedora in, in the rain they it,
3: that, but
4: no there is that that sequence where all three of in them good morning yeah i think that's what you'd... i think
0: yeah i'm just saying like most iconic like you just think of yellow raincoat and you kind of think of singing in the rain Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, so. I, would say. Um, I don't think of it <laughs> i think of pennywise and georgie but that's just cause i'm <laughs> fucked up um <laughs> But no, just just curious. Okay, so yes, it had to be on the list. That's why you're here, to have the classics. So thank you for that. <laughs> Doing my job. Um, we're staying credible after I just talked about Lars von Trier. Um, so Max, you're number four. Uh, no, my number three. Oh, you number three, excuse me. Yes.
2: Uh, so I might get some some pushback on this, but uh, it's it's La La Land. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. And <laughs> I know a lot of people actually like don't like this movie. Hate it, hate it. But I... Love the jazz. I, I love Damien Chazelle's uh, direction. Um, and I actually I dig most of the songs, especially anything that Emma Stone is singing. Um, I also, the f- first time I ever saw this movie, I saw it. It was a double feature. And the first movie was Manchester by the Sea. So oh. that made a...
0: Where? Where were you?
2: <laughs> I was at uh, the track. A, a, a theater in uh, Federal Way. Uh, And I just did a a double feature on my own. I did Manchester by the Sea first. Okay,
0: okay. You seeked these two films out. You did this to yourself. Okay, okay.
2: Uh, Yeah, but then I went into... Uh, uh, La La Land and, and so I think that has a huge influence on me and how I feel about this movie uh, just because I was so sad and down from Manchester by the Sea <laughs> and La La Land picks you up a, a bit uh, you know uh, until the end and then, and then it kind of <laughs> makes you cry again but uh, I, I, I really do like this and, and and again I know it's like such a it like just pulls and steals from from all of the musicals and from the golden era of musicals um, but but I th- that opening number um, where they're on the highway is just... I just... I love it. Absolutely love it. I
3: think I owe it a rewatch. I was living in L.A. at the time, and I was just like, ugh, a movie about L.A., made in L.A., starring people who live in L.A. Like It's
2: very Hollywood, yes. Yeah, yeah. and
3: I was just like, I don't know. Uh, not my thing. Which you think it would be. And maybe that's why I hate it. I also hated high school musical in mm. when it came out and when I was in middle school. I was like, that's not a real musical. So I have a superiority <laughs> complex, I'm aware. <laughs> Max, congratulations. I support your choice.
4: Uh, okay, great. You're number three. All right. If there if was a, have it. If there was a camera in here, you guys would have noticed when Alex was talking about Bjork, I kind of freaked the fuck out because this was not even on my honorable <laughs> mentions, but something about you saying that someone in the movie did the music somehow clicked this and reminded me of it, that not only is it one of my favorite musicals, it's honestly one of my favorite movies, and I cannot believe I didn't think about it. So I knocked off a big name that I hope someone else brings up so I can still talk about it. But um I'm going with Julie Taymor's Across the Universe. You
1: say you want a revolution. Well, you know. We all want to change the world. Jesus,
3: what are you doing? I can't do this right now.
1: You tell me that it's evolution. Well, you know. Yeah, we all want to change the world. Jim. When you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? What the hell are you doing here, friend? Time. Not You know it's gonna be. Score him to the door. Thanks, dude. Alright, you know it's gonna be. Alright. I've never seen him like that. I don't know. You say you changed the constitution, well, you know. You gotta leave, buddy. Yeah, we all wanna Come on. change your hands. Dude! I do who's oh. You tell me it's the institution, well, you know. You better free your mind instead. It's my number my number two. Oh, should we table this until then?
0: We can or we can have it now. I mean Max's next film that he's gonna talk about is his number two anyways. And I fully expected it to be on your list. I
4: I can't believe I forgot about this from the opening segment of Jim Sturgis on the beach doing uh, Is there anybody gonna listen to my story? To every single Beatles song that they do that they either pay homage to brilliantly or change completely is utterly phenomenal.
2: This is another musical that, I'm researching this week, a lot of people fucking hate. Yeah, yeah, it's
4: surprising.
2: <laughs> I don't get it. Because, and maybe, again, when I saw this, I was 19, I was very, you know, like, counterculture, I was very into beating down the man, oh, so very you, in...
4: So you waited a few, I remember watching this in theaters and being blown away.
2: I think, yeah, well, it came out in what, 2000? 2000... We, we were
4: in high school. 2009? No, yeah, it came out in uh, 2007.
2: 2007. Yeah. Okay. I Excuse being, me. I
4: remember. It was like our. It was the beginning of our senior year.
2: Yeah. So. So 1917. Whatever. I was smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. And <laughs> I <laughs> really, really loved just like getting super high and watching this movie, and it's got some insane like cameos. Like Selma Hayek comes in for a song, and like Bono comes in and, and throws the greatest like three pitch inning I've ever seen of as Doctor Robert. He's just absolutely insane eddie lizard is is wonderful in it absolutely um joe cocker of course po- yep. jumps up Yep. but and also like the beatles are such a huge thing for me in my childhood that um and and i've seen yesterday the other beatles musical i don't really care for that one not not like i care for this one this one was just it came out the right time at the right age for me and like yeah, it's just, it's it's really special. It is
4: utterly brilliant of showing an artistic snapshot of what it was like during that time of pre-Vietnam, getting ready for it, you know, move to New York, the art scene. You have the Jimi Hendrix, you have the... Beatles, you have the Janis Joplin, you have all these tropes, and it just really is like is a great just look at that time period. Well, it's all fictional characters, but it's centered around something that it's like Disney. The Beatles are like Disney. You're brought mm-hmm. up on it one way or the other. Someone you love is inspired by the Beatles, whether or not you like them or not. And they, like I said, they do a great job of changing some of these songs to being like, not better than Beatles songs, but, like, catchy musical songs. How They Do I Want to Hold Your Hand is one of the coolest, like... That on stage, if you could do it, the slow motion of the football players, like, tackling each other is, like, an amazing musical number. And the the choreography is just phenomenal throughout. Yeah, this movie's
0: just... Eye candy, like look it up in the dictionary. It's across the universe next to uh, the word, the phrase "eye yeah. candy." Um, and and it is interesting, Max, because I saw a lot of the same kind of pushback. Um, oh my
2: god, I can't believe how many people hate this. And movie. this movie, what was do a you f- feel about this movie?
0: This movie was a phenomenon when it came out. That's yeah. for sure.
3: So I watched this movie with a boyfriend, and I didn't like it. But I was like, I wasn't the right age. I think I mm. think I was like 14, 15. fifteen. Didn't really care, and. Yeah, I I owe it a rewatch. Because of you guys I owe worth a rewatch. re-watch. It, it worth is a re-watch.
0: It is tough because with the Beatles, you are always gonna have some get off my lawn energy where it's just like don't touch the don't touch the classics, you know, like yeah. nothing can be good. But but I don't know if that's really where the this recent criticism has come from. It'd be very interesting to see what Peter Jackson does with his documentary and how that um, film is reviewed and accepted um, when that comes out, you know, this Christmas. Just
4: because, yeah, the, the Beatles are the Beatles, and you know, you kind of don't don't fix it if it's not broke. And the movie did a great job of captivating the Beatles from 1964 through their f- fucking weird phase of going to Mister Kite, you know, and all that, like their drug-induced stuff. Like, they, like it's surprising where they have such a vast discography. And then this movie captures it all. It And, does. and it's a- able to do it in a good film manner that keeps the, the story progressing. Grown
2: up, I had the projector on the wall. Yeah. Nice. and yeah. Strawberry fields forever in Max's basement. Dude, I just would invite people over. We would just get stoned out of our mind and be like, can't wait for Bonner to show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Max
0: is the walrus of this podcast.
4: Cuckoo, <laughs>
0: coo uh, Okay, so my number three is a 2001 film, Moulin Rouge. Uh, directed by Basil Luhrmann. Classic. And now I hit up my sister for some talking points on Moulin Rouge because it is her one of her favorite films of all time, like top three, and so I w- really don't want to do her any disservice. I rewatched it for a 2001 movie draft and was very close to selecting it in a handful of categories just because I do think it is a very, very impressive film. Uh, the set pieces, the dancing, I think that, you know, we haven't really talked about this yet, but, you know, the term jukebox musical gets thrown around a lot lot and so to take you know songs from who is it it's Sting and it's Elton John and people like that and to throw them into like turn of the century Paris like shouldn't it make any sense and it just does it works so well in this movie and I think that that's a testament to uh, just Nicole Kidman's ability as as an actress and as a performer, and same with Ewan McGregor. It's a, uh, still a shame that he didn't get recognized with at least uh, a nomination at the Oscars this year. Uh, but I, I just think that this movie is is really really good. And, you know, you can kind of counter it with other films. I'm sorry if anybody has this like this high up on their list, but as opposed to something like a Mamma Mia or a Rock of Ages, when you just get like a bunch of stars singing and you're kind of like, this is fun, but like Pierce Brosnan, I just don't really buy into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um And so for this one to really just like come through and to be, we haven't really talked about this either, but uh, so many musicals are are self-aware of other musicals or they're like, you know, they take place on the production of a movie or of a musical. And so for this one to do that and to hit all the tropes of just like abusive producers and crazy screenwriters and things like that. And you get this whole, you know, kind of like, You know Nicole Kidman's character is basically playing like the hooker with a heart of gold type character with this tragic uh, uh, illness that's going to kill her, and and yeah, it just it really resonates with you. Um, The songs, you know, never mind something like Lady Marmalade, which was like the number one song in the in the country that year. I feel like that this movie came out, but everything else in the movie is just great. Uh, The natural progression of something like Romeo and Juliet, Romeo plus Juliet, I guess is how it's referred to. but then into this is just great for Boz. And then I think that, you know, what he does later on in his career with something like The Great Gatsby, obviously not a musical, but still just the the swirling and the dizziness of, of the pop music in that film. You know, I think he maybe goes a little over the overboard with that. And this was just like this was Goldilocks finding her porridge that was just right. Like this movie's just it's it's pretty perfect, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, that's my number three. OK, on to our number twos.
3: The Sound of Music.
1: The hills are alive with the sound of music, with songs they have sung for a thousand years.
3: God on. Wants Come on, him. I know it was on your list, Grant. This, is the, this is the one
4: that I knocked off, yeah. and I, was, I knew it was going to be on yours, so I'm glad we're talking about it. How
3: could it not be? Because I, mean, I knew it was
4: going to be on yours, and no, now we we get what to what talk ha- about it next week. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, no, how could it not be on my list? Um, Christopher Plummer, oh my God, when he walks in, when she's in the room, and he's like, and he walks in, <laughs> that was my first crush. I mean, I must have seen this movie as an infant. Um, I just loved their chemistry from a very early age. Maddie, um,
0: Maddie's calling Christopher Plummer daddy before her own dad. <laughs>
3: truly. Rest in peace. <laughs> um, it's just, it's iconic. It's great. It's If it's on TV, you're like, oh, Sound of Music's on. Hell yeah. I guess I'll watch. The most fun thing I've ever been to as far as watching a, a movie musical in public, the Fifth Avenue hosts one, but they're done all over. It's called the Sing Along Sound of Music. It's a thing. They give you a goodie bag when you get there and you get like... Plastic Edelweiss, and um, what else do you get? Uh, like cards to hold up the three words that they sing about Maria for how do you solve a problem. You have to hold them up in order. There's instructions like when the Nazis are on screen, you boo. When Rolf's on oh, stage, you fun. bark. That's fun. It's so much fun. There's a costume contest, and then also you sing along. They've got the words up there. Highly recommend if you see wow. one happening, go. Um, it's just an iconic movie, it's a comfort movie. It's on Disney Plus. If I'm like, oh, what should I watch? I'll just put on Saturday Musical. I clean the house. You know?
0: It's one of those movies that's, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit, but a lot of movie musicals are pushing two hours. And this is like oh, a long yeah. long movie. This is close to three, I believe. Um, But it's one of those where, kind of like with In the Heights, where you had that Benny and uh, Nina scene come in at the end, and you're just like, I don't really need this. I don't. There's, you know, ballads just being sung at the top of people's lungs like two and a half hours into sound climb of music. Every and, Oof. But But still, you're
4: just like, give it to me. Give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It had to be on someone's list. One of those movies that is a musical that, despite the landscape shots, other than that, it is filmed like it is on stage. There's a lot of painted backdrops, a mm-hmm. lot of just like, blocking, a lot yeah. of like still cameras just looking one way. Not a lot of like cutting back and forth behind characters. It's just kind of projected in front and given to you at face value, and it works. It's classic. It's my favorite thing to see when I like watch live productions. Like I said, um, it was on my list. And that's I knew it was going to be on yours, which is why I felt okay taking it off because. My dad was the one that introduced me to James Bond. He introduced me to Star Wars. He introduced me to a lot of these movies that I love. His favorite movie of all time is The Sound of Music.
3: Gotta love Mr. Columbini.
4: Dave knows Don't what's up. Dave. I mean, the guy, like, it's like, you, you, <laughs> you, talk, you talk about a movie that's on TV and you have to stop. Like, the only other movie he reacts that way to is The Godfather. For sure. If it's one of those two, like, it is everyone shut up. I'm watching Julie Andrews. Let's go.
2: I have such a complicated relationship with this movie <laughs> because my grandmother used to just like make my sister and I sit down and watch it when we were spending make the you night. just force yeah on the couch. like we wanted to watch something else and she's like no nah, we're gonna watch Sound of Music again <laughs> and, and you greater, are a she von was, Trapp child <laughs> she was a sweet sweet lady um, but uh, yeah I just I think I've I watched this too much as a child and it's just it's a little like. No, thank you <laughs> for me. Fair.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, we all kind of have relationships with whether it's movies, music, a television show. Sometimes the older generation just can't help but <laughs> force. force.
2: Well, and I was telling my dad, I was talking to my dad about this because it was his mom who would do this. And he's like, oh, you think that was bad? She's saying climb, climb every mountain at my high school graduation.
0: <laughs> oh, so, what?
2: wow, feel Lucky <laughs> Feel
4: the cringe. Uh, all,
2: all you had to do was yeah, watch yeah. a movie.
4: Nutcracker's not so funny now. Is it,
0: Max? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. Uh,
4: okay, Maxwell, what's your number two?
2: Uh, it was across the universe. Oh, that's correct. Oh,
4: that's yes, yes, yes. Okay, Grant. My number two. Yes, sir. My number two is um, I had to do a coin flip between I had to have a Disney movie on here. And I have a personal one that really is close to my heart, and I'm gonna talk. It's I will sacrifice all my honorable mention time to talk about it. But the one that I landed on because it makes the most sense because of what it does for musicals, what it did for Disney movies in the '90s, which was like the prime golden age of Disney animated musicals, is I'm going with the first movie I ever saw in the theater, 1992's Aladdin. The You talk about reprisals, you talk about themes, you talk about songs coming back up, let alone Robin Williams doing his thing for his two, three songs that he's a part of. I mean, you talk about Disney songs that are catchy, that were like, I can, ne- I can go five years without watching that movie. You throw on the soundtrack, I'm going to know every goddamn word to for
2: that. For
1: sure. So,
2: Your number one soundtrack is not... This is number two. I know, but from the top five soundtrack episode that we did. Yeah your number one soundtrack.
4: I don't view tar- I don't view Tarzan as a musical. There's there's yeah. tra- there's trash in the camp and that's it other than that it's Phil Collins just kind of That's why I left it Those off. The
0: songs are overlaid okay. over okay. the However, action. However, Tarzan for... did
3: become a Broadway musical. Didn't do well, but it it did become a stage I appreciate
4: musical. you bringing that up because I was bringing it up <laughs> in the honorable mention like we can't forget Phil Collins. <laughs> He 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 blurred the line a little bit between Disney musicals there, but
2: I'll put my pitchforks away. There we go.
4: There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I have to go with Aladdin. It is just classic. It is you know you talk about anything Aladdin sings, it it it's all in the same thematic scheme. And then if you go to Disneyland and see this stage production at the Hyperion, it is phenomenal. Back in the day before California adventure when it was just Disneyland and they had the Aladdin show where like you had dinner and they did all that. It was awesome. It's captivating. It's a great, great story. It's Disney. It's awesome. So yeah.
3: And also that did become a Broadway musical that started at the fifth Avenue theater in Seattle, um, went to Broadway. It's still running. If Broadway was open at the new Amsterdam. Wow. Great. It's great.
0: Give me one of your three wishes, Grant.
4: (laughs) 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 What? Put me on the spot. Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, <laughs> I, don't
2: I don't know. Phil Collins does the nutcracker. No. There
3: we go.
4: Yeah. Uh, Phil Collins and Christopher Nolan team up for uh, a movie. Uh, there we go. That's a uh, wish right there. Wish. I'll take Can he act in it too? Uh, both of them. Nice. <laughs> it's a documentary. <laughs> I just no, how about my wish is for Phil Collins and Christopher Nolan to interview each other. That's my wish. Nice. Okay. See? Cool. I could have wished for so many other things. <laughs> no. You got two more.
1: You're maybe thinking about I'll this it. week.
4: Uh, tune in next week as i give you my second <laughs> wish
0: um okay so my number two film i'm going back into the animated realm and i was a little nervous for a second that you might pick this one grant but it's 1993's the nightmare before christmas yeah that's my number yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, is it yeah okay uh that's nice.
2: no no not oh
0: okay okay um yeah honestly well we can we, i mean we, it's the
4: next one i talk about, yeah okay so we can, okay, so we can have
0: it have this discussion now literally the only note that i have here is just the whole movie slaps <laughs> like it's the whole movie is just so great i had the soundtrack playing in my classroom again today the kids are like it's not christmas time it's on halloween time what are you doing and two seconds later, they're all singing along to every song. I'm singing along to every song. I think that you know you have your classics like "What's This," um, and "This Is Halloween." Obviously, at the beginning, that everybody knows. But it's the and even like the Oogie Boogie song. But it's the deeper cuts that really like go ham on this. On this, uh, Jack's movie. Lament is is my number one. Jack's uh. Lament. I love um, making Christmas. <laughs> yes. Just, uh, just like boom, 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 mm-hmm. making Christmas. I'm like this song. Making just, Christmas. Oh my gosh! Thank you. This uh,
1: time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just everything. The only uh, poor Sally, because yep. uh, sh- you talk about themes, you talk about reprisals, you talk about things just coming back up in a like this yeah. is this literally has four songs that Danny Elfman stretches into. 9 to 13, and it works phenomenally. And that's
0: the other big thing. I mean, it's directed by Henry
4: Selick, uh, obviously produced by Tim Burton, mm-hmm. but
0: it really is Danny Elfman's Danny movie. Elfman. Like, fucking A, man. He, uh, I was gonna bring this back up on the, uh, ju- when I was talking about The Jungle Book, a lot of, like, the chase, some of the score stuff in that film, it feels like, like, Bernard Herman stuff from, like, Vertigo, almost. Like, in these animated movies, the score couples, especially these animated musicals, the score couples, um, the the sing-alongs so well and i think that this is just like the prime example of that
4: yeah i mean you you have um you have danny elfman being the singing voice of jack skellington let alone you talk about the gaps in between songs and musicals you have chris yeah, so sarandon so, yeah. oh, doing, yeah. doing the spoken yeah. voice of of jack so you just have like a phenomenal cast you get cameo small appearances by paul rubens Pee Wee herman Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. Moira from Schitt's Creek, and everything Christopher Guest has ever done. Um, and you, you have great, just great line moments. Um, I love the mayor. That one of the best lines in the whole movie is when Jack is lost in Christmas land and the mayor is at his door and he's ringing his bell and he just goes, Jack, I'm only elected official. I can't do this by myself. <laughs> yeah. Like it has like great like social commentary in a like borderline kids movie that's scary, but not like even the kids just have a great time because of the music. It's all happy, it's go lucky, it's both. Lock, Jock and Merrill have a banger of a song. Yeah like, yeah, like 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 how you said, every song slaps. It, it just does. um but if you if you listen to the the soundtrack, not the movie, the soundtrack has a special appearance where your boy the the narrator, Patrick Stewart is Patrick Stewart, yep, That's where right. they couldn't use the rights for some reason or some I forget what the whole story is, but he's on the soundtrack, not in the movie. Someone else does it. But I mean, it is just like how you said you can listen to this in the summertime. I I still will randomly do the, uh, like, the Making crisis the bum, 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 bum. But, like, I'll just randomly hum that to myself because it's just embedded in my skull. If I had to, like, if a gun was to my head, this is probably the only musical I could do, like, every song front to back. Like, yeah, I know good, this entire soundtrack. Um, it is, by far and away, my favorite musical for sure.
3: Uh, I just wanted to say it's also so iconic that they make over an iconic Disneyland attraction from September to early January. Uh, they make over the Haunted Mansion and it's Haunted Mansion holiday and they do an overlay of the ride and they put the music in. Oh,
4: that's so cool. It's super well, cool. And then isn't it different like during Halloween time and then in Christmas time? Like they kind of like flip both back and forth where it's a little lo- or at least I remember doing that where at first it was like, all right, it's still Halloween theme, but it's all Nightmare for Christmas. And then all of a sudden it becomes a Christmas theme ride like towards Thanksgiving.
3: It's it's great. It's and what's super cool is they only do it at Disneyland because they know that they've got the repeat guests there.
4: Yeah, Mm, for sure. Also, side note, I want to know what happens in Thanksgiving land. We need a sequel. It's a big
0: unanswerable question there. What
4: like what happens there? A lot of murder. Is it just genocide? (laughs) Is that what's going on? A lot of maze and murder. (laughs)
0: Um. Okay, well, what a great transition into Maddie's number one. That was Grant's number one, my number two. Um, so we got a couple of number ones here to get to now.
3: Cool. Um, my number one, this was a no-brainer for me. It is 2002's Chicago. Oh, okay.
0: Interesting. Awesome. Um,
3: it's, first of all, it's super cool because it started out as a play. It's kind of inspired by a true story, and then it became a silent film. And then uh, Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse... Uh, Bob Fosse the Goat. Come on. Yeah, yeah. they uh, got Kandra and Ebb, who are incredible incredible uh, songwriting team, to come on board to create the musical, and it opened on Broadway, and it was a success, and then it closed, and they revived it on Broadway, kind of a stripped-down version in 98, mm-hmm. I want to say. It's still running today, if Broadway was open. Um, But the movie is just excellent, I think. I think it's uh, incredible stunt casting, normally, when you cast Richard Gere and... Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Queen Latifah, you're like, okay. But I think that Catherine Zeta-Jones gives one of the best movie musical performances, bar none. I just rewatched yeah, I this a that. couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit, she is giving everything to this. She's great. It also won the Oscar.
0: It did, best picture.
3: It's the first, I think it won like six Oscars also. Um, but it's the first movie musical to win the Oscar since Oliver in 1968. Dang. Yeah, and not since then. So, I mean, and it was a pretty good year. Two, I know there's a movie that you like that was that year. I can't think of what it was. 2002.
0: Well, definitely would have been oh. going up against the two towers.
3: Yes. Memento. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was something. Well, was if like, it was oh.
2: 2002, oh,
3: that, Memento was no,
0: 2001.
3: 2001. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to look later. Anyway. Probably
2: Attack of the Clones.
3: <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean,
4: if we want to talk you are about You familiar best Star with Wars?
2: Uh, Yoda?
3: <laughs> From uh, um, <laughs>
2: Attack of the Clones? You ever seen that musical?
3: Anyway, it's just, it's just great. I think it's really good. I also love the way that they make it work is every musical number that's not done on stage is a fantasy that Roxy's having. Mm. So none of it is, we don't have to suspend our disbelief that people are just bursting into song in the middle of the sidewalk. They are either fantasies in her mind that she's enriching or they are production numbers on stage. And I think that that is what makes it work so well. And yeah. that's what makes it's people- It's that whole
0: it, production within a movie yeah, thing. And yeah, and it, it
3: makes people that are a little bit, uh, turned off by musicals open to it because it's like oh okay she's not just bursting into song in her jail cell she's in her mind and this is happening
0: this obviously pairs so well with moulin rouge i feel like that film walked so that this film could run mm-hmm. yeah
4: i just looked it up and it beat gangs in new york and, uh, mm. and i i don't agree with that decision see
3: was mm. a tough one that's take it up with the one. academy yeah
4: <laughs> oh i
0: got words for that <laughs> uh okay max you're number one
2: all right well i'm gonna totally cheat here uh and say every disney cartoon that we all grew up with okay all right because you got stuff like
0: the, okay so you're okay tell me yeah yeah what are your part of your yet?
2: world let it go kiss the girl oh you're just going life. songs okay um almost there you're welcome from Oana, which is excellent lmm um uh, Friend Like Me, Why Should I Worry, from Oliver and Company. I mean, every single one of these Disney movies that we grew up watching, especially our age group, are, are full-fledged musicals. And these are songs I think that we've, we've been talking about this whole episode that every, we all just know. If it comes on, it, it, we just know. And I, I I mentioned earlier that I was hanging out with my nephew, on sunday and we had this radio station on the disney musical station and not only is he calling out every movie i'm calling out every movie and so i just i i just think that that disney from probably 87 to uh you know mid 2000s really hones in and like is the musical king?
3: That's the Renaissance. That's like the yes. d- yeah. span yeah, of the yeah. Disney Renaissance. Yeah. So, what was your number one that you booted out to change it to this, or was it always this?
2: It was always this. I had I had like my top. Well, I had my top four. Okay, well, what's your favorite I gonna, Disney? I was gonna say. What's your favorite here's we, Disney
4: well, animated what, musical? Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Here's a better way to ask this question. If you had to karaoke one Disney Ooh, song, there we go. What would it be? Cause I think I know mine. Let if it I, if go. I,
2: if I, if <laughs> I, bet that's oh, I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> I was oh, just going
0: to say, right. let's oh, move yeah. on. Actually, Mulan, yeah. If, yep. if,
2: if a gun is held to my head, Mulan's probably the, the, the movie I'm picking as well. Just a fantastic. That there you go. Yep. I'm right there with you on that one, but yeah. So okay. Every, all the Disney. We'll allow
0: it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. So grants number one was, uh, nightmare before Christmas, Okay, we're going to have this conversation. It's time. My number one is Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barber of Fleet Street from 2007, directed by Tim Burton.
1: From the Dardanelles to the mountains of Peru, but there's no place like London. No, there's no place like London. Mr. Todd, you are young. Life has been kind to you. You will learn There's a hole in the world like a great black pit And the vermin of the world inhabit it And its morals aren't worth what a pig could spit And it goes by the name of London At the top of the holes in a privileged view Making mock of the vermin in the lower zoo Turning beauty into filth and greed I too have sailed the world and seen its wonders For the cruelty of men is as wondrous as Peru But there's no place like London
0: Maddie, you and I joked about this over over we we text, had some words. yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and then I'll just talk about why I love it so much.
3: Um, I saw it once, and I never needed to see it again. You're I... talking
0: about the production or the film?
3: Uh, the the film. Okay. I think the stage show is fantastic if you see a good production of mm-hmm. it because the music is hard mm-hmm. for both the singers and the um, musicians to play. It's it's really really hard. It's really dark, but it's really good. Uh, this goes back to what I said about sound earlier. The, oh, okay. It's so auto tuned. It's just so auto tuned. And I think I think Tim Burton's great. I think that if they'd had a different director and a different cast, because he just cast his babies. Um I yeah, I just didn't like he it. He
0: casted The crew from uh, Harry Potter, basically. You get so many people um, from Harry Potter coming over to this. But I still just love this movie. Like, I went back and revisited it twice this week, actually. And for me, this was, like, sort of in my stage of, like, understanding what movies could be. And I was revisiting so much stuff around 2006, 2007, you know, stuff from Kubrick, stuff from all these other, you know, great classical directors, even modern day people like Tarantino. And then when I started getting into Tim Burton stuff, and it's like, oh, Tim Burton has a new movie coming out, and it's a musical. And, you know, Johnny Depp, troubled individual. Um, but still, I was just like, you know, I just seen Blow, I've seen all these other movies, Edward Scissorhands with Johnny Depp. He just like, I don't know how I haven't been Sweeney Todd for Halloween yet like I think that's just a great look Um, and then yeah just Alan Rickman is everything that I want him to be in this movie Um, Helena Bonham Carter is everything I want her to be in this movie she's the
2: strongest in this film for sure Sasha Baron Cohen Sasha
0: Baron Cohen exactly and this is him like this is kind of his first real role coming off of the Ali G show and all his subsequent characters from that
4: is Christopher Lee in this one too no no okay I'm
0: thinking something different um but yeah I just Sleepy Hollow that's what I'm thinking yes yeah um, I just I love this movie. It it all of it aged exactly how I wanted it to. The blood is still so stylized. The violence, the the it, it's dark in all the right places. It's funny in all the right places. I I just love it. I I love the runtime. It's it's just under two hours. Whereas a lot of these uh, musicals are over two hours. I think that it really stands alone in in its way of being like a hard rated R film in, in within the musical genre. And so I just am always going to kind of lean towards that. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I love it.
3: I think I'm on my high horse about this. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. aware. Um, I think I've been on it all night, but I'm here. <laughs> uh, home stretch. When you name the cast, yeah. none of those people are people that we think of as singers. And Correct. this is arguably the hardest Sondheim score to sing. And I think that that's why it's just like doesn't work because you know that they're getting so much help and so much sweetener for these. because
4: it's what you were afraid of if there was a 2008 in the Heights. Mm-hmm. It was, it's just a celebrity run musical. Yeah,
3: yeah. But I should give it another chance. And It's really I fun.
4: I mean, there's some really good
0: songs in there. Like, um, Pretty Women is just a great song and it's real goofy i feel like that probably is one of the more toned down um songs where they aren't getting a lot of help because it's basically just johnny depp and um alan rickman having a conversation and a lot of it's just like and they're just kind of like ad-libbing uh, back and forth i don't know i just this is this has always been it for me in musicals i think i saw this movie like three times in the theater I just like have always loved Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barber of Fleet Street uh, so thank you nobody else for having it on your list <laughs> so that I could just kind of claim it um, okay so let's get to our honorable mentions now yeah Matt, uh, if you had any too
3: long to list you know I almost put Little Shop of Horrors on my list but then I remember that I don't love the movie and I really could do without the last 30 minutes well, when watched it, it last night
0: yeah and I felt the same way very fun mm-hmm. uh, movie but yeah yeah um, Great, catchy, you know, kind of main theme, but yeah, great music. Great music. The movie is just so bizarre, though. It's,
3: it's just, just yeah, and it just like it just goes downhill, and you're like, God, you just have to kill everybody now, and it's just, I just, I don't like it on stage either. I love the first act, but I could definitely leave at intermission.
0: Uh, okay, so that that's your big one. Yeah, yeah, I
3: mean, I I could list. Oh, also, I wanted to say, Mamma Mia. I I mm-hmm. don't love it, but I know that everybody loves it. It's so easy There's to watch. A and it's huge fun. fandom, huge yeah.
4: fandom behind that one.
3: And you want to talk about uh, something you can pay for on itunes which you talked about earlier we didn't call you out on that that's also old but or a cd <laughs> yeah, yeah, <whatever>. yes
0: <laughs> apple music fine spotify
3: um burn the cd from what you buy on itunes but it i mean come on i'm yeah. always if i need to be pumped up there's a spotify playlist it's mama mia one and two well I'm just like, listen to abba what that, are you baby. doing yeah I dust
0: know. off your lp uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so, I mean, if you want to just rifle through, if you have some, if you have some now, more.
3: No, my honorable, my dishonorable mention is I wish that the Jersey Boys movie had been better, because I think <sighs> that could have been really good. That could, could
2: anyone way. other than Clint Eastwood yeah. to make that movie. Talk
3: <laughs> about bad pacing. Man. My God. Um, No, I could go all night for honorable mentions, so I will Okay, not. okay.
0: Max, any big ones for you?
2: Uh, I mean, Wizard of Oz. That, you know, that was on my list. Uh, is up there. Uh, Hello, Dolly. Uh Another important movie in my child age. Um, I, I, I almost tried to put this on the list and make it work, but The Last Waltz, which is a a, a concert documentary by Martin Scorsese. So it's not really a musical, but I mean, you're just watching music the whole time. Uh, I
0: had Purple Rain for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, this is just a concert, basically.
2: Uh, and then Spinal Tap as well. That's nice. Mockumentary, mm-hmm. but musical.
3: A Mighty Wind. Hello.
4: So this is a great transition going off of that right there of Spinal Tap and a Mighty Wind of one of my honorable mentions was in that realm of it's not necessarily a musical, but it's when the characters in the movie are making music and that's a centric part is the Lonely Islands pop star Mm -hmm. never stops stopping. Uh, talk about a soundtrack you can bump in your car that is just ridiculous and fun. Sure. And it fits, like, the way they structured in the movie as far as pacing goes is brilliant for a mockumentary. So I think that mockumentary kind of musical world is a really fun niche category in mm-hmm. this um and i could talk about what i wanted to bring up wizard of oz so i'm glad you did and i could talk about every disney movie that has ever had any songs in it ever mm-hmm. but and it sucks that it wasn't in my top 5 so i'm going to take all the time i can to talk about it now and that is a goofy movie no oh, wow mm-hmm. it it combines both of the disney aspect and then also the people in the Movie making music of the two Powerline songs, yeah. and you still get the Disney songs of Goofy singing on the open road, and then you know the father son reprise at the end, and then Eye to Eye and Stand Out are constantly since Spotify started it doing like the top like one hundred songs of your playlist. <laughs> both of those since they were on Spotify a few years ago have been in my top one hundred. I will always listen to Powerline is the shit. Goofy movie is awesome. After today. Is just probably one of the best Disney songs ever written. Goofy movie is it? It, it is my it is like it, it's my number zero. It's above my number one. <laughs> goofy movie needs to be in there. But as far as the actual categories of musical goes, I was like, all right, Aladdin is a better musical musical, but Goofy movie, like, come on, can't mess with that. Yeah, that's great. Um, just a couple that I have
0: left here: Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a little surprised that no one had mentioned that one yet. Fame, really good movie that I watched for the first time over the weekend. Uh, Spike Lee, his two little dabbles in movie musicals. Chirac, which I saw at the Grand Cinema, actually. Shout out to the Grand. And then School Days. School Days also, really good Spike film. Um, and then Cabaret. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, Max, you said um, all the Disney movies. I just want to give like an extra shout out to Mary Poppins. That was about right. to be Definitely. on my list. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, just... Julie Andrews doing like some of the best stuff of all time there. Um, and so, yeah. Okay. That does it for excuse the intermissions, musical extravaganza, not as much singing as I expected. So <laughs> good, good self-restraint We restrained there. ourselves. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, You're welcome. nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Look for Max. Um, off, off Broadway in the near future. Um, so as for our guest, Maddie, you were clearly the star of this production, though. You brought your notes, everything, very well prepared. We love to see it. Um, we hope you had a great time joining us on this episode. And as a longtime listener, you weren't too disappointed in the bes- behind-the-scenes <laughs> peek that you got with stuff. Um, before we get you out of here, is there anything or anyone you want to give a shout-out to?
3: Um, go see live theater when it comes back. Boom. Support it.
0: There it is. Um well, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you to Derek Schneider. Thank you to Max and Grant. Next week will be the last episode with the three of us in studio for a bit as Grant gets ready for his birthday trip to Hawaii. How are you doing in preparation
4: for that? Yeah, I am I am ready for it. Yeah, I feel like I'm just going to be moving into a, like an alternate universe for two weeks. Like I'm, I'm so, so excited be. to just check yeah. out for a while.
0: Um, well, and that's awesome because it allows us to create a fun list of films for next week's podcast. Before we bid you adieu, we will present our favorite vacation getaway films to set the stage for your trip. Um, and also kind of really welcome the summertime atmosphere. Maddie, you were just, you just took a little impromptu trip. I did. Um, We booked it
3: Friday afternoon. That's awesome. Left Saturday morning and flew back last night. I got home at one, went to work today and came straight here. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Champ.
0: Um, okay. So off the top of your head, what's like a good vacation film?
3: Vacation. National Lampoon's, uh, okay. although Christmas Vacation is my favorite. Out of not favorite. watching the original. Okay, yeah,
0: some yeah, all those movies. You know, there's some stuff that's aged kind of interestingly. We'll say, <laughs> um, no, that's a great one. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about National Lampoon and the Vacation series, Chevy Chase, and all that next week. Um, of course, thank you to all of our wonderful list- listeners. You guys are the best. Please keep up your incredible support of the show. Every like, download, and share means so much to us. If you're headed out to the theaters this week, especially to our friends at the Grand Cinema, please remember to be safe and wear a mask as mandated. And until next time, I will see you on Fleet Street.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Stay swell and give them hell. Drink movies and sing beer.